I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Every dance with the devil in the pale light. I always ask God. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1989, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1989, shivering in the back of a blue Chevy Malibu here in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. And I'm Philisco. And with us again, LeVac is back! (laughs) (laughs) Told you I would get it right. Chandler is back. Chandler is back. Thank you so much for uh, for coming back on our show. Oh my god, I'm I'm so honored. This is such a I I gotta say, Chandler, you've like you've come on for some real bangers. You've come (laughs) on for some like episodes that like I, I mean, I feel like I mean last night, I don't know if you've listened to our 52 in review, but Kenny basically lauded last night with all of his awards this year um understandably so because it's a great movie um but also just you know guinevere which was a movie that like a, a little scene movie that i think we really loved and obviously we want to have you back you are one of the biggest cameron crow fans i know so it felt like i got you know we got to hear your thoughts on on his first movie and some might argue his best movie <laughs> um I, but I, yeah I have such warm feelings about Chandler because I've only met her twice on these two podcasts, but we discussed two movies that, uh, that, that I love the two movies I never even heard of before the podcast. So, (laughs) so Chandler, I also have feelings, strong feelings for you. Otherwise, a very, you're a very lovely person, (laughs) but, um, but only, but only positive vibes. And I mean, that'll continue, you know, there's no, there's, there's no beating around the bush. We did our, 
our top five eighty nine before this, and this was on my top five of the year. This is one of my favorite movies ever made. It's so good. Um, rewatched, nothing changed. Uh, maybe even yeah. feel stronger about it. Yeah, I, there's just something about this film. I, it's I have a, to. So work of art. It's just. It is. It's like the warmest, you know, most unconventional teen movie, and uh, yeah, it's also like it's. I, I kind of want to unpack. What what is special about Cameron Crowe and like what it is about his voice that when it's working and you know we'll talk about our favorites of his of his at the end of the episode but when it's not working it's just kind of all off right but when it is working there's really kind of no one I can think of that is so perfectly earnest and genuine and just the, you know what I mean like hard on your sleeve in a way that isn't treacly and just really beautiful like this film to me immediately I was just like these people just feel like real people in the best possible way I, he's just there's something so there's an intangibility to him that I think you know he's he's you know struggled finding perhaps over the over the last little bit with some of his films but i don't know there's just something really really just lightning in a bottle with him um and And this film is the beginning of that what a formidable like debut also as a writer and a director you know and it was like i think laszlo kovacs is the cinematographer Mm -hmm. which is crazy um because polly platt like campaigned for him to shoot it Mm -hmm. um she was the producer on this movie um and uh yeah just the performances that he gets but it's like instantly like it's his tone like his universe it's such an assured debut there's just it doesn't feel um it doesn't feel like there's a camera there and i know that that's you see that a lot we've watched a lot of movies on this podcast kenny but there's something about um what he's able to capture part of it's in the words obviously i mean there there is a, a very sort of poetic way to the way he writes. We all wish that we sounded just this good in real life. Like it's just heightened enough that you wish that you had the vocabulary that these characters have, but at the same time, it feels believable. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's really something. And, and, you know, obviously Cameron Crowe prior to this writes Fast Times at Ridgemont High, um, which I watched just recent, relatively recently because I bought the criterion of it. And I mean, also a staggeringly great movie. Um, He just understands youthful voices, even today, I would argue, in a way that doesn't feel like an old guy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he, he, he can, and I don't know if it's because he went undercover as a kid for so long for, for, (laughs) for fast times and for almost famous and what have you uh, in his actual life, but he just understands how kids think. I, yeah, I mean, first of all, thrilled to be doing a Cameron Crowe movie. He didn't make a movie in 99. He did not. Uh, we have a plan to kind of backdoor a movie in there a little bit. But um, <laughs> but he didn't do a movie in 99, so we haven't had the opportunity to talk about Cameron Crowe. And Cameron Crowe, for people our age, or at least for me and everyone I've ever met, um, is is one of those kind of cornerstone filmmakers that made us all want to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, to me, it's, to me, it's Cameron Crowe, Paul Thomas Anderson, um, kind of a Spike Jones, Car- Charlie Kauf- Kaufman hybrid. And then, you know, someone else, I mean, who knows for me, it's probably fucking Michael Bay, but, um, <laughs> 
<laughs> just, well, just no, to throw a twist in there. No, I, I don't know who the, who the third, who the fourth would be for me, but he is a he's a, a a fundamental part of our kind of youth and understanding. And it's interesting because he really he really only made four great films. Um, so four great films in Elizabethtown film. So uh, so that's interesting to me. Cameron Crowe's story is interesting, too, because if you've seen Almost Famous, you know his story, which is like what he is. He graduated college at 15. He worked for Ben Ben Fong Torres. He um, followed around the Allman Brothers Band. He 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 really wrote, you know, he wrote cover stories in Rolling Stone, but he had this truncated youth. He had, he, he, the, the fact that he writes youth so well is, is weird because he didn't live mm-hmm. like a kid, you know? And I don't know if that, if that's, if that reporter's eye, that journalist's eye slash ear is, is what contributed to this kind of, you know, really, you know, whole wholesale understanding of youth culture, but but he has it in it in a way that most people don't have. Now, the the one thing I want to say about say anything and kind of Cameron Crowe in generals, um, he obviously didn't direct Fast Times. Uh, Fast Times is a quintessential eighties movie. It feels like the eighties in every yeah. way. The 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 shaggy dogness, the looseness of the plot, the, the you know. Co- the Go-Go's, yes, the mall, the, you know, everything, the, the Phoebe Cates, um, everything about it's very 80s. And then Singles is such a 90s movie and Jerry Maguire is such a 90s movie. Uh, Say Anything doesn't feel like an 80s movie. Say Anything yeah. feels to me like a 70s movie, 70s movie uh, about people who live in the 80s. Like, when you watch from the score to the way it's shot to the way these characters talk to each other to the long takes to the long scenes to the you know kind of the focus on these two people, uh, it is it to the to the to the lack of overt, you know, uh, objectifying of women and or the you know the, the, all those revenge of the nerd qualities that make like so many films of those of, of that era like kind of too gross to even talk about anymore. It's it's a it's a weird humanistic movie that you just mm-hmm. didn't see that much in the eighties, particularly about young people. And I thought that was that might have been what I was what, what what always struck me correctly about this movie. What always hit me in the right place. Whereas most eighties movies, you know, with the exception of like I love some John Hughes movies, but most eighties movies about kids feel wrong to me. Well, there's and something this feels also exactly right. Cameron Crowe is also one of those guys who um, understands when to use pop culture references and when not to. Like he, you know what I mean? Like there, he sort of can kind of read what makes sense and what doesn't. And this film is pretty devoid of those references, short of like you know Lloyd's Clash T-shirts or him showing Cocoon to uh, the people at the <laughs> retirement home. Uh, timeless. I love that scene. So timeless. Much. Cocoon. Cocoon. Uh, <laughs> Lloyd presents Cocoon. Um, yeah, it's it's. You know, you know what the biggest dated reference in this movie is by a million. Mm. Kickboxing sport of the future. Sure, sure. sure. <laughs> but that I oh, yeah. that's the funniest thing to me. I mean, for like a for like a brief moment yeah. in time. Totally. Kickboxing like, is a sport of the future. I like when he's like dissed in the Malibu. 
man. That's <laughs> <laughs> just in the mouth of it. Does he say something like that's your domain or that's your, yeah, yeah like, something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, so it, uh, there, it's not like a particularly um, dated movie in that way. It's, it, it almost feels frozen to your point, Kenny, in sort of this amber of not having a ton of things that date it in 88, 89 outside of, the chicken that's wearing 88 before he gets sure. torn apart at that party. But like <laughs> yes. things like that, you know what I mean? It's, it's not particularly, it's, it's kind of timeless in a beautiful way. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of an amazing reversal too of um, this really mm-hmm. ambitious, brilliant young woman. And the fact yeah. that it's actually kind of like this love triangle between a, a daughter, her father and uh, her, yeah. you know, prospective boyfriend. Um, it's like, and I still feel like it's one of the most original teen movie screenplays like ever written and the kind of nuance and affection he has for the characters and how they're all complicated and multifaceted. Like even Diane Cord, who is sort of ostensibly like this perfect, like too good to be true woman. She still has a lot of like flaws oh, and difficulties in her life. And she is like a fully fleshed out character in a way that, a lot of times the like teen girl object of totally. affection in a teen movie isn't never gets allowed to be. Well, she's also, I, I, I love her insecurity as well. Do you know, like, or, or her insecurities, yeah. the way they kind of ebb and flow throughout the film, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and the pressure that she feels to perform and to be this, you know, um, so true. what her father wants her to be. It's, it's very I, interesting. Or even just the way that she speaks to Lloyd, where she's like, I've never gone out with someone as basic as you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was that was forward thinking. Sure. Um, <laughs> even that, just the, the air quotes on I love oh, yeah. you. We're just like, oh, it's like <laughs> stuff like that, where every now and then she shows not her true colors. That's the wrong way of putting it. But but the influences of the people in her life and how they sort of manifest in her. It's interesting. I, 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 also, I don't yeah, even know how you pitch this movie. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, like, this is such a trust me movie, right? Like, yeah. it's about a well, guy think- and a girl, and the girl has some issues at, like, issues at home with their dad. But they're yep. not, like, your typical alcoholic father issues. Like, they're really supportive. And and mm-hmm. and, and it, I just don't know how you, like, like I, I just feel at the end of the pitch, it's just, you got to trust me. I'm going to make it good. Because well, I, there's I- no way. I think he yeah. wrote something else, like another script entirely. And then James L. Brooks was like, don't, you know, yeah. try writing something else. And then somehow this came out of him. And the character of Lloyd was actually modeled on this real guy that Cameron Crowe knew that was like an aspiring kickboxer and this kind of like strange dude. Because you're right. It's yeah. like, yeah, I want to do it. And the dad's kind of like embezzling money from the old folks home that he runs. <laughs> and like, there's all these like very specific details that are so strange, but like really, really work. That well, also like yes, there's it's 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 hard to like like this is the the curse of Cameron Crow. Just like this is the Cameron Crow. This, this is the Charlie Kaufman thing where people think that they could do what those guys do, yeah. you know. But you can't deceptively do what he does. simple. It's like, yeah. it's like I I I don't know how to say this in. In, as the compliment, I mean it. <laughs> okay. But I, so Chandler, as you're saying, right, the dad is embezzling money from the old age home. Uh, that is so specific. Yeah. And it is, it is also, it, it, it also has no sim, symbolic meaning 
other than what it means within the context of the movie. Like, mm. it, it's, it, the, the, it's a weird thing to say, but the guts to have something just be what it is yeah. instead of being something metatextual or something subtextual and, and have it, like, just feel right. It's, it's a weird fucking thing. It's a weird subplot in this movie and have it not feel like a weird, like, you know, third arm or have it not feel like it's supposed to actually be a metaphor for, for his, you know, destroyed marriage. It's none of that. Her dad has his own life, his own issues, his own interiority, his oh, yeah. own wants and his own desires. And oh, yeah. he, it's, he's given, you know, the, he's, he's allowed to throw the full gamut of emotions and yeah. he's allowed, he lives through his daughter, but only to a, a point. And it's the, the, just the, 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 you said how much he loves his characters, the way he gives them dimensionality, all three of these characters, not to mention like, even like Lily Tomlin, I'm sorry, Lily, Lily, uh, Lily Taylor. Taylor's character, you know, is so like self-absorbed in a way. I almost like I'm shocked to see in a movie to have like, <laughs> the, uh, to have, like another character, but she's self-absorbed like to the point she, she's getting over a suicide attempt. Yeah, and that's yeah. it is a wild fucking movie. It's to it, like I, the worst yeah. guy of all time, and oh, Joe. Joe. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> I love Joe so much. Joe. and um. I don't know, but she's still an amazing, like, supportive I, I friend at the same time. <laughs> I know. I, I was thinking about that scene the other day where um, he's buying that luggage for his daughter and his oh, credit card gets brutal. declined. Destroyed. And he's hitting on the, the woman at the, the cashier. Yeah. Yeah. And she's they're kind of flirting. And that other guy in the background goes. That's like the a, key to that scene. It's the it's the two moments he has with the other guy where the guy's like, go for it, man. And then when the credit card gets declined, the guy won't look him in the eyes anymore. Yes. I mean, it's it's a brutal scene. It's an amazing it's, scene. It's such an amazingly written scene. And in no other teen movie ever made would you include that scene. Like it's Never. it's just yeah. the nuance and specificity of this film like blows me away. And I think that's what makes it like actually timeless, is it's like deep idiosyncratic weirdness. Like I you know, I think that. Just to, to to piggyback and rewind a little bit to what you were saying earlier, I really do think the James L. Brooks thing is something worth underlying for a second yes. because yeah. he James L. Brooks first and foremost produces this film, um, which is an enormous deal, and he obviously is playing interference for Cameron Crowe to kind of be able to do a little bit of what he wants. It's a sixteen million dollar budget, which <coughs> isn't nothing, um, but it's not you know, a, you know obviously a ton of money. But there is definitely a connection between James L. Brooks and Cameron Crowe, right? In terms of the way that that they write, there is a very sort of idiosyncratic, very sort of lo-fi, you know, character-oriented movies, um, which is, I think, part of the reason why I think Cameron Crowe perhaps struggles right now is that those type of films are incredibly hard to get made. Um, and on top of that, because of the success that a Cameron Crowe or a James L. Brooks or even a Judd Apatow has had, it mm -hmm. means that their budgets are exceedingly high considering what's actually going on in these films. So yeah. you're in these sort of weird kind of slipstream of what that means. But all that being said, I think that the James L. Brooks thing is really interesting because he produces, he doesn't produce singles, but he does produce Jerry Maguire. Mm -hmm. um, and that obviously is a gigantic success. But it's just interesting that this is sort of the first film and it doesn't really set the world on fire. Um, you know, Cameron Crowe credits Siskel and Ebert in a lot of ways for making this film 
have any success at the box office, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically made its money back in a little bit, but it was never a huge success. But I believe Eber put it on his top 10 list of 89, if I'm not mistaken, and was just a really big proponent of, of Cameron Crowe, understandably so. Um, but it is interesting that, you know, Singles is the follow-up to this, and Singles is known basically for its soundtrack. I mean, that soundtrack was enormously successful, but the film itself was, was not particularly. Um, I, I, I also think that, you know, you guys were talking about you know, could a movie like this get made today? Do you think? I mean, I, I, maybe not at this budget, but easily. Could it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, not not. This is, this is yes, but like you said, not at this budget. This is sure. This is. Uh, I feel like this movie's made thirty times a year. Um, yeah, sure. I feel like it's sure, programmed sure. at Sundance like three sure. or four times. Not <laughs> sure. not to its you know not to this level of. Um, mm success and humanity and stuff but like the spectacular now i don't know if you that's saw a good, that that's film. A, yep 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 yeah that's, that's a good one that's yeah. definitely james ponsel trying to do his say anything and like miles no, teller really is evoking sure. like a young cusack in that film i just yeah. think it's so just to you know obviously for a little bit of context because i think it's worth talking about where this movie comes out and what it's coming out against but uh, basically, the film is a charming, critically acclaimed tale of first love. Lloyd, played by John Cusack, is an eternal optimist, seeks to capture the heart of Diane, an unattainable high school beauty and straight-A student. It, it surprises just about everyone when she returns the sentiment, but Diane's overly possessive divorced father, played by John Mahoney, doesn't approve, and it will take more than the power of love to conquer all. <laughs> uh, Say Anything opened on April 14th, 1989, in third place behind Major League, the Dream Team was uh, in second place. Uh, it would go on to make 21 points $5 million and a $60 million budget. It's got 98% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 85% from audiences. Uh, Roger Ebert's four-star review says that Say Anything depends above all on the human qualities of its actors. Cusack and Sky must have been cast with their clear-eyed frankness, but their ability to embody burning intensity of young idealism. A movie like this is possible because its maker believes in the young characters and in doing the right thing and in saying, staying true to oneself. The sad teenage comedies of recent years have apparently made by filmmakers who have little respect for themselves or their characters and sneer because they dare not dream. Um, which I think is interesting. Uh, I, I I do sort of want to talk about what you were talking about a little bit, Kenny, in terms of like 80s rom-coms. I feel like this movie is, because of the age of these characters, they're graduating high school, so they're in theory on their way to college. Um, your rom-coms of the 80s tended to be a little bit more about straight up adults, right? You're when Harry met mm-hmm. Sally's of the world. And then your teen comedies tended to be more in the vein of, you know, a John Hughes movie or an animal house or something like that. So this movie is sort of neither fish nor fowl, I think is part of why it's special, but also why it probably didn't connect. Yeah, I mean, it, well, I don't know if I uh, like, like by the premise that it didn't connect. Like, I think this movie's iconic. You know, and I think it was. I mean, pretty... I mean, at the moment, it was. It, I, I meant more in the sense of yes, it's obviously iconic now. I think in the moment, it had its fans, but I think at that time, I can understand why this movie was not a John Hughes esque success. I guess is what I'm getting at. Sure, uh, yeah, I, but but I but I, I I I guess I'm rejecting the premise only because I just don't understand. I I, I don't understand. I, I I have a hard time viewing this movie as as not a success. Considering, sure. I think it did pretty well at the box office and did very well with critics and birth camera crow's career. And I think the, for me at least, I know I'm completely, yeah. you know, inverting your question, but 
uh, to me, I think it did connect because what the, the this is true for when when I met Sally or any great romantic comedy, um, the romance has to be first, yeah. first, mm-hmm. first, 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 and anything that's not serving that romance, um, you know, is is wasted energy. Yeah. I can't think of of an actual romantic comedy I like that isn't like you know the the romance isn't isn't the, the the center of that film up to and including, you know, there's, there's something about Mary. So, sure, sure. you know, which, which like the ending of that movie to me is so fucking powerful. I immediately was, was like, I can't wait to see the Farrelly brothers do a straight romantic comedy. And then I they actually, did, then they did fever pitch. So, I rewatched you know, when Harry met Sally recently, it was on HBO or something like that. Um, and I, first of all, I forgot how, great that movie is but how insane that movie is but the ending what when harry met sally sorry no no no. uh uh something about mary Mary. uh the end of it with ben stiller crying as he's walking it's so good incredible and he's like what about brett (laughs) but also they fuck with you because she's like you forgot your keys and he's like, oh yeah, oh, uh, oh. Uh, okay. Well, that's but, but like, and then it's she's like, like I'm a Niners fan. Yeah, it's such a shame to me that Peter Farrelly is now synonymous with you know the racist yeah. Oscar winner Oscar <laughs> movie because he could have been because he could have been the guy who directed like two of my favorite fucking movies ever made. Yep. Uh, and I think that I think there's something about Mary is brilliant i think the I, end of it is yeah. her like like she's fucking with that's her that's half of her character i'm fucking with you i'm fucking with you yeah. so that's a beautiful callback him crying at the end you never see that in a it's movie it's the fucking best it's you she never is, see that i mean watching it again i was just like she is a movie star like you're watching that performance cameron cameron diaz in that movie is just shockingly just how she didn't just take over the world. Well, she, I mean, did. she did I mean, sort of, but then like, but she was almost just, too, she was almost yeah. too good. Yeah. Like she was almost too good in that film that I think filmmakers were like, let's yeah, try right. everything. <laughs> like, 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 I like, like the, 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 the play, the, 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 the thing that kind of fucked her up, now we're real far afield, was... Yeah, this is uh, Ron Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> was, Although they do work together later. So yeah, the that. Was, was the sweetest thing. The sweetest thing was where... where oh, where that movie I, is I, That movie's awful. Yeah, she also terrible. got she also got paid a, a, a shit ton a shit ton for sweetest thing. It was right after Charlie's Angels, and everyone was like, "She's the next big thing." And they just backed up a Brinks truck to her for that movie. <laughs> and that movie sucks. Well, the, but I yeah, want to. It's just, so they, like they, scatological. It's oh, kind it's of this yes. like it's female so gross out, like yes. comedy, and it is. And it's it, like them trying yeah. to be like, "What if we took you know oh, uh, a Fairly Brothers what, movie, but we made it with like women and what? Yeah, right. What if we found? What if we stumbled upon the female? Jim Carrey like yeah. it's such a weird it's such a it's such a weird idea yeah, but yeah, like yeah. and I'm not trying to say she can't do it I mean she acted a scene with semen in her hair like she, she is did. She spectacular did. and killed it you know she's, she's spectacular but that movie was not the one I want, right, I want to, to just back, to the back obviously, to, to say anything for a second here, because Please. I was reading up on the <laughs> casting, because this is about female, the, the, the Ioni Sky, Diane Court character. Mm. So apparently it came down to Ioni Sky and Jennifer Connelly, which I do think is interesting. That's, that's like two shades of the same coin. It's a little bit, right? Like I could see Jennifer Connelly being quite good in this. Yeah. And she too. has that, obviously she's 
beautiful and what have you. Um, I think part of why Ioni Sky works, though, is because there's kind of no baggage there, right? Like she had done a couple roles, but like this was really her first leading role in a movie. Um, and that unknown factor, I think, goes a long way. I think that Jennifer Connelly and John Cusack are kind of at the same level of fame, I would say, maybe, at that time. Right. Oh, I guess, well, there, I guess you'd be thinking of her like in Labyrinth or something, or what would be the... Yeah, Labyrinth, Labyrinth is really and, the one. Wait, when was Career Opportunities? Was that After not, this. Oh, was it after? That was okay. 90. But, was but, 90. Okay. But it's, you know what it is for me. All right, so I read that too. And immediately the first, cause Jennifer Conley is one of my favorites. And um, immediately I thought she would have been great. Yeah. And then I kind of took a half a step back and I guess it was maybe during the movie I read that, or maybe right before I watched the movie mm-hmm. and something would have been lost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Something would have been lost because uh, Jennifer Conley for all of her many talents is not someone who I necessarily buy as deeply wounded, um, yeah, sure. which I think like like and and as lacking in some way. Yes. Like there was a big thing with Ioni Sky here that felt like she she was pushed by her dad, and I believe she also pushed herself mm-hmm. to to excel as to 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 to, to fulfill her potential. Is how yeah. I think it was. It was it was felt like she was. The smartest kid in the school who also worked the hardest and therefore was one of the smartest kids in the country. Right. And I, and, I think, and she had to choose between her parents and she chose her dad. Right, so that's right, yes. sort of so like she was on she was in the game. Yes. Yeah. 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 She I had also, agency. I don't think there's an issue with that, but but she played this like I missed high school thing, you know, the book smart thing. Yes. Right. Yes. I miss high school thing in a way that I never would ever buy from Jennifer Connelly. Well, that's, that was what I was going to say is I think there's two things. The first is, and I, I say this with all due respect, but Jennifer Connelly is too beautiful in a weird way. Like she does not seem of this, of this earth. earth. Like if you put her in these weird kind of old people frumpy clothes that, <laughs> that Diane wears in this movie, which I love by the way, but like, I guess I just don't, I don't know that I could buy Jennifer Connelly as a sort of broken weirdo nerd kind of thing that there is inside Diane Court. Whereas I, don't know, I think it's, be... it's like she what do they say? She's she's uh, a brain trapped in the body of a game show host. Yeah, yeah. I, I I keep trying to deal with that thing too. And like <laughs> if Jennifer like here's the like by I the way, I haven't that... rewatched this. I just know every single line from <laughs> <laughs> like That's embedded awesome. in my cortex. Like it's like <laughs> Uh, Jennifer, guard. So, so Ioni Sky co- comes out to go to that party. The, uh, the yeah. oh my the, god, that outfit, that white dress, the white dress, yes. the, white with the, dress. With the shawl, giant, yes. the shawl, and the like Tahitian yes. flower yeah. in her hair. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And those weird strappy pumps, and and she kind of descends down the stairs. Yep. Yep. She, she doesn't. She doesn't. She That's walks the from thing the I was going to say. She, she walks yeah. in the yeah. kitchen. Sorry. So she she doesn't descend down the stairs with with Kiss Me playing because <laughs> it's, it's because it, 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 it's just it's not it's not yeah. that kind of yeah it's not fucking she's all that is about giving Freddie Prince Jr. his fucking trophy in the moment sure and <laughs> that's that's how that's up that moment is supposed to feel for him that's not how this feels and I don't know how Jennifer Connelly walks out in that same dress without doves also flying behind her. It's just, there's That's just what I mean. Some, yeah. No, I know I what you're know. saying. I'm and sure. I, I, I'm hesitant to like, to like, 
boil this all down I, I just, to their I looks because Ione Sky is gorgeous, and that's a big part of this character. Sure. Is that I think she was viewed by the school as like, don't even bother because she won't like return your calls because she doesn't even <laughs> like acknowledge that there's a social system in the school. But I think that Ione Sky is beautiful. I'm not saying she's not, but she's no, no, beautiful in a terrestrial way. Like mm-hmm. she seems like the type of beautiful girl that would be at your high school. She seems like an actual person that's not to take away from her beauty jennifer connelly and maybe it's because of all the years of things that i've it's seen hard her in, but say. she's it's hard to say the other person that was considered apparently was elizabeth shu which i also think would have oh. been wrong yeah but interesting but i understand why she was in the conversation hmm. um there's something because, about because, she, because she was the fucking best right she's awesome. because like yeah. she in, in this period she dude she made cocktail work uh she's she's the best <laughs> and and actually like so that so that's interesting too an interesting piece of casting because jennifer connelly is almost like ersatz i this guy right yes and yes, yes. like chandler said two shades of the same color and uh <laughs> like elizabeth she's a completely different movie completely different yeah. And yeah. I would have also loved that version. I I'm think. sure. It would, I'm sure she, she could. She could have played every beat of that of, of that too. But. I feel like there's nobody more feminine than Diane Court, like in this movie. Like great, when she's serving call. all of those yeah. uh, elderly people at the like their tea at the, in the mm-hmm. you know cafeteria and the way that she dressed, she just like has this like unfeminine. She's such this femininity a good call. that Lloyd Dobler's friends don't have. Like she's oh, yeah. like. You know, like, like, like the contrast between um, his friends, which also include um, Pamela Adlon. Pamela Adlon. Yeah, Pamela Adlon. For a scene, yeah. Yeah, it's just so wild. She Um, looks so young. It's crazy. It's like crazy. Yeah. But I I agree with you, uh, Chandler. There's something very um, tomboyish about the girls that, that Lloyd hangs out with. Mm-hmm. Um, he even says it at one point. He's like, "I gotta hang out with more guys. I hang out with too many girls." And then the guys are just like fucking at the, you know. Even Joan Cusack feels like a different kind of woman than yeah. than Diane. Diane Court's like a lady or something. For sure. <laughs> I mean, just yeah, the look on his face when she walks out in that dress, Kenny, when he's like, "Oh, like he's just like I am punching way above my." <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, and the fact that the dad is treating him like that too. Well, just that like help. Yeah. you don't yeah. deserve to be here, you know. I love um, the phone call to the dad. Well, not to oh, the dad. Yeah. When the dad picks up the phone call and the dad just asks him if, about all the different cars. Are you the guy that drives the Mustang? <laughs> Are you the guy that drives the Datsun? Are you the guy yeah. that drives the truck? Yeah. I think that's great. I, I want to talk for a second about the casting of uh, of John Cusack. There were a couple other people, none of which I think make any fucking sense for this role, but it's also so iconically John Cusack now that it's impossible to really consider anyone else. Christian yeah. Slater, Lauren Dean, who played Joe, uh, auditioned oh. for Lloyd. Hey. Um, Pete Berg, Todd <laughs> Field, Robert Downey Jr., Jesus Kirk Cameron. Christ. Kirk Cameron? Yeah. Oh, my God. Could I, you imagine uh, a world where Kirk Cameron got the big roles in the 80s and didn't yeah. feel like so rejected by Hollywood <laughs> that he had to be- become what he became? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have but to like, like create the uh, second apocalypse. Uh, but I, I mean, I look at this list and it's like, 
I mean, sure, maybe there's a world where a Robert Downey Jr. could be yeah. Lloyd Dollar. Oh, I, get, oh, I mean, I don't oh. know. I don't want that. All right. The, like, the, uh, of I think that he list. would be good at like the fast talking kind of cadence of the character. Right. But that would be right. like literally it. Like he'd be good at delivering the long monologues about like, I don't want to buy, sure. sell anything that's processed or yeah, processed. Anything. I could see him also playing the Eric Stoltz character. <laughs> oh, 100%. There, you know what? That's I was going to say, I was going to say Robert Downey Jr. has never been a convincing romantic lead except he has been. Yeah. Uh, in Iron in, Man. In Iron Man. Uh, I think you were saying chances are. <laughs> no, he was so unconvincing in that. So but he, he, and he, and he, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, or sure. kiss, 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 yes, yes, yes. Uh, hetero romantically, but <laughs> in uh, in in Iron Man, I really do yeah. long for those oh, two to him get together. Gwyneth, yeah, off the chart. So he he has it in, but a lot of that is his, you know, grown man energy in that because oh, also yeah, Ally McBeal. He's great, Natalie McBeal. Also, but where I also think he has grown man energy. Gotcha, uh, sure. As a as a boy, he had to me at least like I don't want you at this party energy. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yes, less than are, zero. Let, yeah, less than zero is exactly what I'm thinking of. Yes. Did you guys ever see the Sure Thing, the Rob Reiner romantic comedy that, that Cusack is in? That's in like the 1985? only. That's the only early Rob Reiner film that Same. isn't isn't like a super classic. It's really yeah, I've good. Never seen it. Yeah. Yeah. No, people love it. It was it was number one screen drafts uh, road trip. Really? Uh, yeah. List. Yeah. That's wow, wow. yeah. Well, how do I know? I, I've never seen so it. So you you Kenny said that of that list there was someone. Oh, that you of that list. Uh, no, I don't think anyone would be great. But they, who's the first person you said? <laughs> the first person Christian you said Slater, was Lauren Dean, Pete Sl- Berg. Oh, Todd I would Field. hate to watch this movie with Christian Slater. All right, I so, can't get like Heather's uh, out of my head. Yeah, like, totally. or I think. Know. Uh, I don't think volume. anyone. I don't think anyone would be great. I I, yeah. I think it's Cusack's movie. Cusack was a very specific guy at that point, totally. and um, he is. He's, you know, it's interesting as he's gotten older. He's he's gotten less Weird. and less, well, less and less leading manish, right? Yes, yes, yes. and less and he's played he's played kind of off the leading man over and over again, and a little brainier and. Uh, even in like Gross Point Blank, he was kind of like done with that leading man thing. Totally. He was already playing kind of dark and quirky, same with high fidelity. But here he was like, he, he it made sense. Like everything about his, his like confidence, because you had to have like, like this like go fuck it confidence to pull it off. It really, really worked. And I think like, I don't know, I, there, there are like more modern actors who could have played this. Like this is, this is to me, the the uh, the archetype for a lot of what younger actors are doing today. Yes, mm-hmm. Jesse Eisenberg um, or yeah. you know Michael Sarah or totally tons. I would of, even go I feel as far like as to Todd say Holland like, or Tom yeah. Holland. Tom, yeah, there's a lot a lot of these guys who are playing who who have, who just come at it with this nice guy confidence, you know, mm-hmm. which I love, and I don't think like you know. Uh, a lot of actors even kind of knew knew that was a like a, like a thing a road to play. It's just Would like you? the sincerity, though. It's like that. I always think when I first time I watched this in high school, the line where um, his friends are warning him not to go out with Diane Quirk because he's going to get hurt, and he says, "I want to get hurt." You know? Oh, I yeah. love that yeah. line. It's yeah. such a good line, and it's exactly how I felt in high school. Like we're just waiting for somebody to follow. Me too, with. Chandler. I remember that. <laughs> I remember thinking like. I remember thinking, I remember saying to one of my friends who like had gotten broken up with because I was so like dead inside, something like, at least you're feeling something. 
You know, doesn't it feel good? Like fight to club all over something? again. You just want you yeah. want to you want to get in the fight to feel something. I yeah, do. and I would say this part is like the part that you know both launches John Cusack but defines him as an actor forever. And every role he's had, you know, he's either tried to like play against this performance or you know, well, that, using that brings it, me to like, my. High Fidelity, like, literally takes, you know, shots from this movie and recontextualizes them when he's crying on the phone outside of, you know, her apartment and stuff. Is this his best performance? Yes. (laughs) It feels like it, right? Like, it's unfortunate that, like, right into the gate, he gives us his best. But, like, it's kind of his best, right? Well, I think it's because the director just knows, like, they feel like they're so aesthetically aligned, like, like he's like his, you know, soulmate as a, as a, you know, like, I don't know if there is a better pairing of a director and an actor than this, or there's something about, I think, certain directors, they find someone who sort of um, synthesizes who they are as a person, like, it's almost like. Cameron Crowe's soul is in John Cusack's yeah. body. <laughs> so it becomes his avatar, essentially. Yeah. yeah it's, well, it's interesting. Like, I, I look at, like, because Kenny and I, we, we, we talked a little bit about Con Air when we did that. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's an interesting. He's, he's actually, he, he does Gross Point Blank and Con Air right back, back to back. And there was this moment there where he showed another gear of, like, mm-hmm. you know, that there's a little bit of snark. There's a little bit of, of, of edge to him and that he could show that side. But he never fully capitalizes on it. I feel like, I mean, Gross Point Blank and Conair are the closest he gets to it. Yeah. And then there's like anomalies like identity or yeah. serendipity yeah. or something. Where... And like Pushing Tin, we talked about, obviously <laughs> in 99. Yeah. He, uh, Rock. He... Being John Malkovich, obviously. Oh my God. That's such a, well, that's a really interesting Q-Sack. That's him doing something completely different. That's his best performance. That's such a good But what's weird about that performance is it didn't even enter my fucking mind. And it's one of my favorite <laughs> movies. And I didn't or with even Cameron think Diaz. I never think yeah. of him in an eye. Think about it. Uh, I, oh I know. God. I didn't. So it's, I do think yes, about Catherine Keener in that movie all the sure, time. Sure. All the time. He was incredible in that film. He was so uh, the, yes the 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 the, 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 one, the one the one who gave birth to my love of meanies. Um, <laughs> he he is he was incredible in being John Malkovich. That is his best role. You know what I was going to say, and this plays into this too. Is he? But he's was, playing a Lord Dobler in that movie, just an evil Lord Dobler. And well, yeah, well, a puppeteer, an older setter. Yeah, you know, yes. totally. Has totally, totally lost his way. Lost like Lloyd if he Dobler. kidnapped Diane Court and somehow she was forced to raise orangutans. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, yeah. he kind of seems, it kind of seems like somewhere in the early 90s, he's like, I like what Nicolas Cage is doing. Yes. I think I yes. can do that. Yes. And I think like I think that that is a path that I can go down and Such he started yeah. so he started to do these you know like like dark Nicolas Cage films but John Malkovich is obviously like kind of a wild Nicolas Cage film and he didn't quite get there but I think he got pretty close mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like he definitely definitely like he was never an embarrassment he was never an embarrassing I kind agree. of figure even yeah. today he's not really an embarrassing figure um being uh of his political Cage. beliefs are questionable but yeah what are his political beliefs? I thought his, his Twitter feed is bonkers. I but thought he's a good matter. political guy. 
He's not a he's not just to be clear, he's not like a fucking Trumper or anything like that, but he's there's a lot of like weird mixed messages coming from him. Yeah, right. Well, you know, he's 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 had a lot of none of us are perfect, but anyway. Uh, (laughs) But but Lloyd Dobler is one of the great romantics in film history. And I think the fact that he just loves and worships Diane Court and just wants to make Mm -hmm. her he wants to be a value to her. Mm -hmm. You know, he's looking for a dare to be great situation. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah it's true it's true like, I ask there's, you guys. there's no there's no men in movies like that even in romantic comedies men don't rise up to that kind of occasion and sort of venerate uh you know women and their ambitions like there's literally no movie that, that does that and i think that's why this movie like has the eternal life that it has because it is so sincerely selfless and romantic What's well, like what Corey what, says I, I, to him, like, be a man. There are so yeah, many guys. Be a man. Yeah. 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 I'll, tell, I'll tell you what's so cool line. about this film. Yeah. Um, yes, be a man. <laughs> His conclusion is what I want to do with my wife, of my life, is support nice. my girlfriend or support yes. my future wife or support my woman, right? Support, yeah. I want to be, that is what I'm good at. She mm. is on a rocket ship and she's going to need someone who is there helping her clearly she has you know she has some um she she has some emotional neediness that she's put off on her dad for a long time but he thinks he can do a better job and she's always needed someone to be there to you know help her rise to the top what's remarkable about this and the reason no one ever talks about this movie in a bad in a bad light i'm talking about like assholes like assholes sure, sure. is because he, he he manages to do that without sacrificing one ounce of masculinity. And yes. that is the Cameron's genius. Yep, yep, it's yep, this yep. genius of like, and it's not, it's not, there, there is no big decision. There, he, there's no deliberation. Well, if I support my girlfriend, does that make me less of a man? There is none of that. It is just, he's, he's just, he's a guy who likes kickboxing and he likes being yeah. there for his girlfriend. And yes. he is, and he is a man in every single fucking sense of the word that you that we want to believe a man is. And it's just it's so cool. There's no there's no fucking Mr. Mom as shaming <laughs> of being there for your team. Yeah. Well, so, I would I would say you're right. I didn't think he, about he, how revolutionary that is. That he, he does it again with uh, Jerry Maguire too, right? It's he takes true. he takes this alpha male Cameron, uh, sorry uh, Tom Cruise, the most like you know I don't know whatever you want to call him at the time, but like you know he was a man's man. He was he, and 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 he makes him into this emotional it's like he goes through this whole emotional journey of becoming essentially a real human being yeah i mean the 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 climax of the movie is him entering that women's group and he's like i'm looking for my wife (laughs) right yeah i mean let's show in that movie i do think that he's still he still knows that he's not complete without her and that uh, there's something that he needs in his life that she affords yeah, but, I, but 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 that's not so revolutionary to me. No, like just, I mean, just, yes, I think that that's 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 a lot of romantic movies. The man realizing yeah. that, but he but I, I love Jared McGuire. I just don't think it's quite as elevated as this movie in uh, no, in, in these that. in these terms. Like I think the the if any if anything the the the, the beauty of Jared McGuire to me is 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 someone who looks and acts like Tom Cruise. And has the world by the uh, by the the short hairs, so to speak. Um, recognize that 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 that's not everything, and that's right. really hard. That's a really hard thing when you're a master of the universe to like kind of willingly like 
give it up and 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 actually appreciate what's important. But it's not Jerry, the same. Jerry it's not Maguire the same. Feels more like it's um it's him trying to make a film in like the Billy Wilder tradition. Like it's yes, more of a movie yes. about America and like yeah. the meaning of success and sort of self determinism and, and 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 yeah, that's part of you know a family structure in this sort of unconventional romance, but. Um, it's also a big say anything has like swing. a purity yeah. to it that it's like about first love and um, it, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that Jerry Maguire is is a you know is a unicorn for a myriad of reasons, um, but you know I, I think that obviously once Tom Cruise attaches to a movie like that, it's it's going places and it's what it is, um, but. I still think that that film, and Kenny and I have talked about Jerry Maguire many times, and we both obviously very much love it. Um, that movie is trying to do a million things, and somehow it's able to stick basically most of them. Like it's, yes. it, it's, it's a yeah. crazy amount of ideas yeah. that he's yes. wrapped up in this, in this, what seems like a conventional romantic comedy. Yeah, <laughs> it's about sports, it's about capitalism, it's about. Yeah, it's, about, yeah, it's like everything ambition. under the sun. Yeah. yeah. No American ever. craveness and like deception. Marriage and like all yeah. of it. It's just like family. Jerry loyal- loyalty first and foremost. We, yeah, yeah. And you're you're all hitting on the all the right things. Jerry Maguire, and no one will ever acknowledge this until you know right now. <laughs> is is a version of the Godfather. Like that's like it's that kind of storytelling. It's over the okay. course of many years, and it's a, it's 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 about it's about grappling with what America has become and your place in oh. America and, sure, sure, and, sure. and, and, and finding okay, yourself through the people around yeah, you. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's so much closer to those, to those epic films sure. than it is to a, I don't know, some, some movie Any about ball. sports or, or anything else. Trevor Jeff is an epic is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and sure. it has an epic scale and, and the fact that it has all it, it, it's 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 like it's like a novel. It's like it's like it has chapters, and it's like David Copperfield. But it's pretty um, crazy he was not nominated for best director for that film. Yeah, even the cover looked like Catcher in the Rye, and it's like it's just <laughs> it, 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 there's yeah. just something about that movie in that moment that I love, and I, I think that that movie is like so flawed in so many ways, but I I, I love it. Yeah, I love whereas. It. This movie is literally perfect in every way. Which is so clean. It's it's just it's so yeah. Clean. The thing that I all right. So last little thing that I love is when you watch the when if you were to tell someone about this movie and you hadn't seen it in a while, you're not Chandler and you don't remember everything <laughs> about it. And uh, you were to tell I someone about this movie. I literally remember like her every cardigan she wears in the movie. That's so good. If you're if you're <laughs> Those are so weird. Yes, if you don't have a car, a Diane Court cardigan tumbler in your brain, um, <laughs> I literally remember like the choreography when they get in the car and he's and they do the teaching and they how to, to drive seats. and switch seats. Yeah. I, oh my god! <laughs> so if uh, you're if you're if you're trying to explain this movie to somebody, you would probably maybe yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. Say it's about a guy who falls in love with the girl, and but everything would be centered on Lloyd's POV. Yep. When yeah. you watch the movie. The movie is really about Diane. Diane yeah. is the one who's de- who, who is who is who yes, is yes. making the decisions. She is the one who is active. She is the one with the big conflict. She is the one who is dealing with the two the the the, the two other characters on an yep. emotional level. They That's have some interactions, but only with Diane, right? So, the logical conclusion of that. And this is why this movie's like like. Be, like a better than just a, a movie or romantic comedy is all right. Cameron Crowe made the decision, and this is revolutionary, even though it shouldn't be, to treat both sides of this 
love team, this 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 relationship equally, or or mm-hmm. maybe even give Diane a little more character mm-hmm. development, but equally. If you're mm-hmm. going to treat them equally, then they have an equal right to a happy ending. They have an equal right to all optionality in their life, right? Mm-hmm. So. Giving and you also set Diane up as this, you know, genius who's on on her way up, and Lloyd as this guy who's kind of, you know, lost in the storm. Mm-hmm. To give, to then give, to to then set this couple off on Diane's path together mm-hmm. is the logical conclusion conclusion for anybody who actually cared about your own characters. But it's so revolutionary because almost always you go down the man's path in these movies. Mm-hmm. Almost. Always, the, like even when Harry and Sally, which I love, they don't get together until fucking Harry decides it's time to get together. You know, like until Harry's like, "All right, New Year's, I'm ready. Let's do yeah. it." Yeah, it's, I would actually which, argue that it's it's kind of the opposite, though. Like in Pretty in Pink or um, Sixteen well, Candles, like you're kind of actually movies. seeing it from the female, <laughs> <laughs> the female point of view, and like the yes, male yes. love objects who are unattainable, and it's actually like the female character trying to like win and pursue those guys. Um, uh, I, I, Andrew I, McCarthy I, with like the flattest hair known to men. Totally like, agree with you. I didn't mean to say that that it was always the man's point of view. I meant to say that gave, he gave these characters equal weight. Yeah, so sometimes you see yeah. it from the from woman's point of view and sometimes you see it from the man's point of view. Mm-hmm. But when you see it from a more even-handed point of view, and I think in almost all these films, um, you go off on the on the man's sure, sure. journey at the end. Sure. Now, like 16 Candles, I don't even think is a rom-com. She hardly even chills with Jake Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and Pretty in Pink is weird because the ending of the movie is not the real ending of the movie. So... Certainly, I, I, there is no like scene as much as like a loss of virginity scene where someone is like trembling and the girls like the boy to, is like, trembling, the boy is trembling, and the girls yeah. like trying yeah. to like comfort yeah. just him. Listen to the music. Yeah. The amount of the sensual really experience they've had is just so <laughs> like uh, all encompassing that he he's just like mowed down by vulnerability. Like could, I don't know. Could you guys could you guys imagine if you picked a bad song? <laughs> It, well, I mean, it wasn't supposed to be that song, as you very well know, I'm sure. Yeah, what was it supposed that's to be? Right. I forgot. It like was Salisbury supposed Hill. to be some <laughs> other song I'd never heard of before. And then they they kind of it stumbled upon it in your rise. eyes. Yeah. But I, I, I want to just talk very quickly about um, the John Mahoney casting for a quick second. Because oh, my God. So apparently, good. It was, there was a moment when Dick Van Dyke expressed interest in playing the role, which wow. would have been interesting. I don't know what that movie is, but it would have been interesting. <laughs> um, also, Cameron Crowe sent the script to Richard Dreyfus. You're gonna love this. Oh. Movie, this is the most. This is the I most know. Richard. Do you know this quote? Have you heard this? No, before? but he, I'm sure he started by saying, "This is Richard Dreyfus." <laughs> so Richard, <laughs> Cameron, Richard, I've Richard read Dreyfus script. read the script and sent a note back that said, "Great script. Want to play Lloyd?" Which, oh. if that doesn't encapsulate everything this about dude Richard so Dreyfus. Much. Yeah. Like, isn't that the worst? So, I, he's the worst. <laughs> I, I like, and there's something about this guy that makes me want to fucking fight him. I just, <laughs> I want to play Lloyd Dobler. Yeah, it's just, it's he, so ridiculous. Of course he wanted the, to play Lloyd. Of course he did. Like, of course he did. He probably, he probably sent to the dailies from uh, always. Probably. Uh, yeah, that was also 89. Uh, so uh, the other thing, do you remember, Kenny, a few years ago? I completely forgot about this until I was doing some reading about the show that they tried to make. Yes, I, I, yes I do. I'm not quite so, over. I don't know if you heard about Lloyd, this, Lloyd, No, yes, you might I, not. I do. 
But a few years ago, NBC greenlit a project through 20th. Um, Aaron Kaplan produced it. Justin Adler wrote it, which was going to be a TV show based on Say Anything. But then when Cameron Crowe found out about it and didn't approve of the project, they killed the whole thing. Now, wow. Ken, let me ask you, would Let's you ever in a million right fucking now. years try to make a thing, a Cameron Crowe thing, without getting Cameron Crowe's oh, fucking no. approval? No, never. That's insane. And that's mean. And that's nasty. I and and like they did the right thing when when Cameron Crowe, because they didn't have to. They didn't have to kill it. That was the whole point. I know. But they did the right thing. But and but it was announced. This was a thing like someone really, really missed the ball. I, 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 uh, you know, (laughs) constitutionally, I think this is a bad idea. But I would also as a TV show, but I would also say some of the best movie to tv shows mm-hmm. are the things that you'd never expect would make That's the tv true. shows like parenthood and about a boy sure. um yeah. at that time friday night lights so sure. there is a you give it to the right guy yeah now those were all katums so you give they it were. to katums <laughs> give it to katums <laughs> he, he could probably he could probably figure it out yeah um and i like what is say anything a tv show like i, I don't really yeah. know i guess it's just like like the Wonder Years, just like a you know a good thoughtful show about high school. But you would just, about them in you would London, just take, do them in England. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. You could, I mean, you could you could take the central events of this movie and just spread it out over you know a season of television. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But NBC is looking for twenty two of these things, yeah. so I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, but but I I I just think it's a bad idea. But, but yeah. I have a question. No, for you don't guys. mess with really perfect yeah. things. Yes. Speaking can. of bad ideas. <laughs> If Cameron Crowe pitched this movie to you and then mm. said, and the main character's name is Lloyd Dobler, <laughs> what would you guys say? Yeah, I know. A, a young, a, he's a young, virile, handsome kickboxing man named uh, Lloyd Dobler. But that's it's what's so great about it. Like, Lloyd so Dobler. I couldn't agree more. It's yeah. so perfect because it's so unassuming. It's so the essence of Lloyd. Like, you, you yeah. know, every other. You know, teen heroine in a movie of that time probably has names like Rick or like Jack. Jake Scott. Ryan. Jake yeah, Ryan. Jake Ryan, like the waspiest things. But Lloyd Dobler, I mean, he should be like an accountant, not Lloyd a. Dobler. It's, it's, that's a, that's it's a Moranis like, character. It's <laughs> like in the when they're in the car and he's asking her what people wrote in your yearbook, and they're and he's like, people wrote in mine. <laughs> See you around, Lloyd. Maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which and that's that's the response that Lloyd Dobler should get. Like I think that's what makes it so special, right? I mean, I but agree Lloyd, with you, Kenny. Like that's Lloyd not a knows, hero's name. But Lloyd <laughs> right. knows how to. He has a well. I guess he's had like this crazy life where he's been kicking around and yeah. he was with his parents. Yeah, he's, he's an, an army, army brat. brat. Yeah. yeah. Now he lives with Joan Cusack. Um, but <laughs> yeah, lives with his sister. His real sister. <laughs> but now in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> that's where he sleeps with the giant. Wait, it's the I, best. I, Lloyd. Um, but he understands how to navigate the system of high school like he's not an anomaly he fits in he's cool in a way maybe he's cool with like sort of burnouts and jeremy piven types but he's he still like cool. yeah he, he is cool he seems he respected fits, yeah. he fits into that party you know oh yeah they the love master. him at that party yeah, yeah. <laughs> you must chill you, you must, must chill, chill. your keys <laughs> i mean <laughs> there's also just one of my favorite oh, his, first of his all, teacher, yeah. uh, Lil- Lilith. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> just the coolest teacher ever. 
Yeah, she's like yeah. hanging out at the party. She gives him her keys. I mean, it's crazy. I, I do think there's a couple... That party sequence, by the way, I mean, is yeah, is amazing because of how real it feels. All those kids feel real. Oh but my there's God. that moment when some guy is just in the hallway and he goes, Lloyd Dobler, all right. <laughs> Oh yeah, and he's like, "How'd you get Diane? How'd you get Diane Court to go out with you?" He's like, "I just asked her." He's like, "All right, you give me hope, man. Uh, <laughs> you give me hope with that guy with that hair. That maybe yeah. wasn't ridiculous at that moment. And oh, that, that guy, they drive free- home. Yeah. The flock yeah. of sequels. You know haircut. that kid? That that's Barbara Streisand's kid. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. What? Oh. Yeah. Wow. He, uh, so yeah, another thing I love about this movie is uh, fucking high school movies are always about where you fall in the social hierarchy. Totally. We're too low or we're the kings or we're in the middle and like people know us but not the cool people. This movie is not about that, which like I'm not trying to say it's not. I'm not trying to say that's not a thing. Obviously, it's a thing. Yeah. They've made 100 million movies about it. It really stays sure. with people. But not every movie has to be about where you are on the social hierarchy. Mm-hmm. It's just like that's, that's not the vibe I get from it at all. That's not why she dates him. That's not why he dates her. And that's they, they, they don't go into this part you know high status they don't go in low status they just go in it's just it it takes you away from you know what it takes you away from which i really appreciate about this movie from the feeling that their relationship is constantly being judged by everybody around them Mm -hmm. and you feel that with almost every movie like i mean throw out anything but like clueless which is a masterpiece. Ty is being judged because she wants to date Travis Birkenstock because he's a fucking burnout. Like, because he's a loser. Like, you can't date this fucking loser. You're trying to be cool. Like, it's just so exhausting to have every movie being about, like, stay in your fucking, you know, social strata. Yeah. 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 Totally. I, I, so. It's more of a class and like the, I don't know. It's the one high school movie where it's actually more about the potential you have for the future, like where you're going to fit in after high school. Right. And like, she's not even really participating in high school because she's so um, ambitious and kind of already on to sort of what college, you know, she's already teach taking classes at colleges while she's in high school. I do think that Lloyd is concerned about meeting Diane's standards to a certain degree. Like, I think there's times where Cause she's classy. Feels, Cause she's right, classy. Not smart, cause she's right? cool. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think personally that the moment when Lloyd wins over Diane, because when he calls her, she immediately says like, 
I'm busy. Yeah. And he says, so you're monumentally busy? <laughs> it's the word choice. Yes. Because then you just think about her fucking dictionary, which I think about all the time with all oh, the marks she next the to the, how she's marked yeah. all the words that she's looked up. I yeah. think him using that word wins her over and, and kind of goes like, that's, I like that he used the word monument. Like she smiles and it's kind of, that's when the ball gets rolling a little bit and he has a chance with her. And then he knocks that glass out of her way when she's walking. Well, it's a force, really what, of course. Yeah, so watch so out for the glass. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it's, it's yeah. Uh, the staging of like some of the scenes is so perfect. Like when she's getting changed for that. Um, yes, but behind, uh, behind the door with the dresses. Yes, yeah. and she's like, do you like this one? He's yeah. like, that's a nice dress too. And you can tell he's like, <laughs> So attracted to her, but trying to be respectful and knows that his yep. parent. But it's just like some of the blocking and the way that Cameron Crowe like films those scenes. Like it's very totally. simple, but it's like so exactly how that would play out. Like his yep. way of working with actors is just it's brilliant. Well, and even you talk about blocking, but like whenever Lloyd's on the phone and he's got that old phone and, it's, I and love he's, just, he's moving oh. around and he's yeah. got the cord and he's like stepping in and out of the bathtub and like he doesn't know yes. what to do with his body. Like it's <laughs> great shit. Great shit. And then it's like his, you know, nephew is coming in and out and like, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> that kid's face when Lloyd is leaving oh. at the end. Like it's, what an oh. actor. What a little actor. What an actor. Uh, I mean, and, get, and great you know, delivery of brother, what do we love? buy your own. <laughs> Oh <laughs> Have you guys ever had to write quote unquote a great first date like and like fill it in? Like uh, someone's like, I'll write a great first they had a great first date. Oof. You'll write it. Have you ever had to? I'm I sure I've written that it scene sucks. not well. It's I mean it's, it well, sucks. because it because you the idea is like, all right, they, they go out a great first date. The idea is always like, and this is why you see so many stupid fucking county fairs in movies. Because <laughs> Then because then you can get them on the Ferris wheel. Ferris wheel, winning like shit for each other. Yeah. Fight, like, yeah, firing at like, yeah. Yeah, yeah like yeah, showing yeah. off their skills or like, yep. you know, wiping mm-hmm. fucking shit off each other's face because yep. there's all this stuff here and it's and it's, it's a fun first date without ever being a fun first date. Yep. But like the literal best fucking date I've ever been on with not my wife. Uh, every date I've ever been on with my wife is the best date I've ever been on. The next best <laughs> date. It wasn't really a date. I just, I just, oh, yeah, yeah. it was oh. all, it, it was all night, but it wasn't like we were in bed all night. We weren't in bed yeah, for one, at, one, we just weren't talking. in bed for one moment of it. Right. We, we were, we, I, there's a girl I knew, we met at a party. We just like, we're like, do you want to just keep hanging out? We walked through the city. We went to a diner. And when yeah. we finally left each other, it was light out and yeah. nothing happened. Nope. Nothing happened except the night just didn't end. And that's yeah. what's so fucking cool about this movie. Totally. And also, if there's a save the cat moment for John Mahoney, it's him not getting mad when she shows up in the morning. That's <laughs> oh, the yeah. when you're like, yeah, yeah, that's when you're like, all right, so this isn't your typical asshole dad who's mm-hmm. just out to like ruin her life. Totally. Like, and that scene, by her. the way. But that scene's great. The scene when she tells him about them having sex for the first time. Oh is my a great god! Scene. She's it's, like, that's, I a, that's an unbelievable him. scene. I attacked him anyways, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, and I know I can know I can say anything to you, and it just feels yeah. so good to know that it's you won't great. judge me. Judge me, yeah. I, there's there's so much in that scene. One of my favorite moments is when she's like, he had that look on his face. You know that look, and the dad's like, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just the We're- fact that like. 
that we her see best it later friend, in the luggage store. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her best yeah. friend and her biggest confidant is her, her divorced dad. Yeah. Like yeah. it's such an interesting and sad dynamic. And I've never seen a movie about like a father daughter relationship. That's sort of as like complicated totally. and Freudian and, and nuanced as this. And then like that ending where he's in the prison yard and it's Lloyd great. gives him the letter and they're deconstructing like her sentence yep. structure. And yep. just the fact that she had written you a letter like this, doesn't that mean that she had yeah. to think about it and she had to love you? And, that it exists. Isn't that enough? That, and yeah. Like, yeah. And I the, mean, the reversal of him giving him back the pen. is just it's like, fantastic. It's what, a great what do you callback. Guys take, what do you guys take? This is about me. Mm-hmm. What do you guys take from the guys <laughs> in this movie innumerable times? Sure. I didn't remember that she let him off the hook at the end. I never yeah. remembered that they hugged. Yeah. And my my memory of the movie was John Cusack met with John Mahoney and John Mahoney was kind of a dick and he gave her the letter and it was like, don't you, you know, just the fact that yeah. she wrote that, it was, it was left on this bittersweet note. I didn't remember that grace note they gave him at the end, which by the way, like, Man, I'm happy they did it. Like having kind of both things within me, like having yeah. like the 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 weird Mandela effect thing sure. where it doesn't sure. get resolved, yeah, and the reality where it does get resolved. It's feels better with with it feels more Diane Court to let him off the hook. A hundred percent, and it would sh- it should be said too. Like she lets him off the hook, but there's an ellipse there too, right? Like oh, yeah. it's big time, big the, time. the hug that he gives her is is he's she's a life raft, and her arms are at her side, and she's really not says, hugging him. She back. She says, "I love you back." She does. She does. She does. So, like, but you know you what know. I mean? Like it's it's there's there's a there's an iciness there, and the fucking pen is a little bit of a jab. Right, like the pen is definitely a that's little bit her, of a like. But that's not that's not her character. She's not jabbing him. It's it. That's for us. That's really that's just that's yeah, that's but, the that's to show us that 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 Lloyd is in is in the post position now, sure. and Dad is number two. Well, but, it's, it's kind of like Lloyd. Become, there's a sort of battle for who's going to be her father yes. and caretaker. Yes. Right. And Lloyd wins at the end, and yes, it's like he, not only does he have to say goodbye to his daughter and give him up, it's like Lloyd's a better father to her than he can be right now. You know, yeah. but, but but like yeah. as a, as a, as like a dad who has a relationship with his daughter that's not dissimilar <laughs> from this, um, like I needed that dog at the end. Like I need yeah, I, sure. I, I need to know that I could fuck up like so horribly. And my daughter will always be there for me, which is weird. She's nine. But but I I, I agree with you, Kenny, that there's something it's, you know, one of the things about this movie that always stayed with me, because I obviously I saw it back in the day. I probably wasn't 89, but it was certainly in the early 90s. And I remembered liking it. And for all the reasons that we're talking about, but the turn, the IRS turn, right? Oh, yeah. Sick, uh, with Philip Baker Hall. Such good guys. Right, it's yeah. great. But, like, all of the stuff with the dad, all the criminal behavior of the dad always felt jarring to me for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then slowly but surely, as I, as I got older, as I, you know, became a writer myself, it slowly but surely felt better. And I feel like this time watching it, it felt seamless to me. Like... I don't know if it's because of who I am now or whatever the case might be, but what you're saying is true, Kenny, which is the idea that this movie essentially ends in a prison yard <laughs> really doesn't yeah. make yeah. sense. Yeah. But it does. And and but, that's but you yeah. have that beautiful last scene in the at the airplane. With no, that I mean we're incredible... gonna talk about that scene. Don't I mean I'm not I'm, oh. but I'm just saying that like in general, the fact that this film for all intents and purposes basically ends in a prison yard with a man incarcerated for, is for, not for what like for like coming into for like uh white collar crimes. It's yeah. right. there's right. never been anything like this. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's yeah. 
I, I think about one of the best scenes in the movie for me is the scene where they're in the kitchen. It's Diane and, and her father and he's cooking and there's, there's some blocking stuff going on, but ultimately it's Jim grappling with the guilt of what he's doing professionally. You can sense that it's getting away from him and he's not sure how he's going to be able to get out of this. He's, mm. His daughter's leaving on top of everything. So he's losing arguably the most important person in his life to which he's, doing all sorts of criminal behavior to give the best quote unquote possible life she could have. And it's just, it's a really like Jim's character, I would argue is the hardest character to, to land in this movie because the navigation of what's necessary. There is not no just fucking but handbook writing, for this character. Right? <laughs> They're just well, no. you sort of, and you sort of see him, as through Diane's eyes and right. sort of at first he's this very venerated, sweet, warm character. You sure. see him singing to Ricky, don't lose that number. <laughs> you know, I love sure. that scene so yeah, it's much. Great. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's like a foe to, to Lloyd, but only because, you know, he loves his daughter so much. And then mm-hmm. as she starts to put the pieces together more and more, and it's almost like the movie changes alliances towards Lloyd. Mm-hmm. And so then he becomes more and more like of an adversarial figure until he's like actually evil. Like he becomes right. like more and more toxic and aggressive sure. towards her as like his desperation. Grows. Yeah, he does. Yeah. When until he, he's the way like he pitiful. says, I make their lives better. Oh is my God. Fucking I think about that delivery of that line like all the time. It's an incredible because it's it's just he believes this in his bones. Yeah, that he's convinced himself because he's that an what he's doing actor. is totally fine. Yeah, because he's that he is just an incredible actor. It's you know it's interesting. Did we because- lose Chandler here. Yes. He's oh, a- there you are. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. still here. You froze. But I, you know, I, I think as a first time director for Cameron Crow, like you have to be an incredible director to also be able to, you know. Um, communicate that to an totally. actor and not have them play it too big and, and also oh, be yeah. able to go there into those more unlikable territories. Like you don't see him trying to protect that performance or make the character more oh. palatable or less selfish or less antagonistic. Also. I think, you know what I, I think, and then the character, everything you're saying, I totally agree with. I think the character with Jim is, you know, incredibly unique. I think when you were running down the people who, were in the running for her, wanted to play him or whatever. Sure. Yeah, I think at this time, John Mahoney was more or less a small time film actor and big time sure. stage actor. Yeah. Um, big Chicago so, theater actor. For yeah, sure. right. so big theater like guy. Like a Stephen so he, Wolf guy. Yes. So he's like, you know, pro's pro and like he, you know, he, but, but, but he's certainly not any form of stunt casting. Uh, what I think is interesting and, of, and going, going for like the A plus actors, actor, over, you know, someone who's a star at the time is an interesting choice to begin with. But the one that I, I'm really kind of coning in on is the idea of Dick Van Dyke. Because that feels like Dick Van Dyke saw what Mary Tyler Moore did in Ordinary People. Sure, and, sure. And, and somehow gleaned that maybe this could be his Oscar role. Now, why Ordinary People a film that I truly love and think is weirdly underrated only because it'd be Raging Bull? <laughs> uh, but but ordinary people is a teen movie too. The protagonist yes. of that movie is a teenager, and it's about a teen relationship, and it's about a teen getting over the, the death of his brother in a you know bad family situation. It's not that different from this movie. Why was that a best picture winning movie? And this is a movie that is beloved by us, but wasn't the, but wasn't the kind of movie that anyone even. It, and also, you're, you're right on Ebert's top ten list, critically sure. beloved. 
uh, wasn't a movie. And, and sorry, EP by James L. Brooks, yeah. who had one best picture for a similarly toned movie. Why I, wasn't this a movie that was considered? I will. I'm. Uh, this is my guess because I read a, a handful of reviews that came out at the time. And yes, this movie has 98% of Rotten Tomatoes from critics. Um, but at the time, there were some detractors. And one of the big reviews I read talked about how the film was told from the teenager's perspective. Um, and that there was this, this not to say that Ordinary People isn't a film about teenagers, but the, the parents, that's more of like a quote-unquote family drama. And I think this film, for good or bad, was, was sort of defined as a movie about young love and it was, a, it was disposable. And I think that that adds to it. It comes out in April, which as we all know, at least in the past, Oscar mm-hmm. contenders essentially didn't come out before, you know, December. It's, um, it's very but, zeitgeisty, I guess. Like it's kind of plugged into like alternative culture. And, yeah. 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 I'm not saying any of these are reasons why it shouldn't have hit Kenny in the, in the ways that you're describing, but it does feel to me as though this movie trafficked in, uh, in a world that felt to an academy, certainly in 1989, as you know, too cool for us, or I don't get it, or something. Yeah, along those lines. no, I mean that that might be true, but I just you know, I just the the, the Dick Van Dyke thing would have been interesting. Makes me it just makes me feel like people were wise to how great this film yes. was before, and then the other you know the other. Thing about it is, Dead Poet Society is a teen movie too. It is nominated it is. for Best Picture, one best uh, best screenplay, and, and yeah. you know it's a period film. So I guess there's there's that to it, and there are no women there's in the it. Disney so the Academy loves that part, but thing too, uh, a little bit. There's the Touchstone Disney component, which maybe has something to do with it. I, I, again, maybe maybe I, not. I, I don't it know. Just, I it don't just know. It, you know, it just it just it just struck it people the right way, but it yeah. it does just feel you know. You know it's, what I, mean. I, I think that had because it's excellent Cameron Crowe's career been slightly different like I do think that this is the type of movie that got him noticed put him on the yeah. map and then singles was just sort of a kind of a shrug I love okay, I really like singles but I understand why it didn't work for a lot of people but I want to talk for a quick second about the breakup scene oh um, when Lloyd's so like I feel like a dick She's yeah. like, but you're not you, he's like you, you, you love sex to with a dick, dick. Yeah, such a dick. Um, I I I love that entire scene. Obviously, I gave her my heart. She gave me a pen. Is iconic. iconic. Um, it's it's just unbelievable. Um, girl made me trust myself. Uh, is amazing. <laughs> I was walking ten feet tall. <laughs> and then the rain on my car is a baptism. <laughs> I mean, yeah. all this stuff is just. Or he's like when you when you wake up. Every day depressed, every day is kind of like a pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah. Corey, you had it right when you wake up depressed. Um, <laughs> so I want to talk for a quick second about the boombox scene. <gasps> um, obviously, you know, iconic beyond iconic. It also just feels to me so quintessentially Cameron Crowe. Heart on your sleeve, speaking through music, you know, just yes. this idea of, of just being the most you you can possibly be actually creepy so like bordering on song that you lost your virginity to and like go to your you know the yep. person who dumped you's yes. house 
and play it just so they can't see you, but just that's so half- just loud enough so they can hear yeah. <laughs> So they'll wake up and have to remember and hear the song they, they I lost. Still kinda, I still kind of can't figure out where that car is either. Cause I was thinking about yeah. that too. Like, yeah. how did how is the back of her house like Forrest Gump's house? And the front <laughs> yeah. of her house is like, you know, has a view of the street where you can bow after having a good date. I'm yeah. not sure yeah. what's, what's going it's on. It's funny you bring that up because I, in the, art, the article I read, like, obviously shot in two very different locations. So yeah. you just really have to just, like, you got to go sure. with it. But yeah, sure. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to, you know, my ex's house and just blast. And just hold up a boombox. I mean, I just, it's, it's such a, it, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's what, top three Cameron Crowe moments where you're just like, this is the most Cameron Crowe thing you can do. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's you know what it is? It's like when you go through a breakup like that, you just want that person to remember that you existed or that what you right, had was right. real, right? So right. it's like, this is lasting proof that I'm like a living organism and we shared right. this moment together I, and I'm going to make you remember me even if you're trying to forget me. But then he calls and says, tear up the letter, burn it. Oh, yeah. Right, because he's just like, <laughs> which is the only, the moment when she picks up the phone and he's not there. But like that but is, But that's kind of the essence right? of his character. A hundred percent. like chronic oversharer, like, has no filter, <laughs> yes, yes. can you know, just a brimming, you know, well of emotions, mm-hmm. and um, and that's what's so endearing about it. But it, you're right, it's he's more masculine because of those feminine traits, and they're so unheard of in like a male leading protagonist, not only in a team movie, but like in any movie ever, really. He's such an anomaly. So, I, I, I want he's the Pete Davidson of his time. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I want to talk about this scene a little more because so there are some people who uh, when say anything comes up will say that movie is problematic and he's creepy and what he's doing is inappropriate. And how um, long do you think he played that song for? Like, do you think he played it for like three hours? Three three weeks. He just so, did it for like 15 minutes. Yeah. That who knows? I think I think it's it's a real Sopranos finale moment. It's the, <laughs> the rest is it's all in your mind. But he yeah. I I I I gotta be honest in that part of my goal going into this movie was to disprove that. I right. really wanted to believe that Lloyd wasn't being a, a, creep, a creep who can't yeah. take no for an answer. And I'll give my little feeling on why he was not a creep who won't take no for an answer. Okay. Because, all right, this is maybe a little not the best, but okay. Um, <laughs> oh boy, it's Patreon. No, no, it's it, what I want to say is like, she did break up with him, uh-huh. but she didn't want to break up with him. That's like true. she wasn't dumping him because she didn't like him or because mm-hmm. she didn't want to be with him or because he did something wrong. She was dumping him because her father thought he was a distraction. Yeah. And and that's and and so it's a, it's it's dicey territory. Mm-hmm. But movies are supposed to deal in this stuff to say sometimes you can read beyond the no mm-hmm. and see that there's something more there. 
But I think that's what was going on here. She well, he, even says he didn't in, ask her. He says, like, you know, is this because of her dad? Yes. And even when she said no, he later says, I think it's because of her dad. He says that's a Corey in D.C. And she says, I love you with quotes. And then later says, I love you. No quotes. Like, yeah. it's, it's one of the most fucking ambiguous no's or ambiguous breakups you could have because she's so conflicted about it. So I would my contention is. That like going back at that, first of all, everybody's ever broken up with someone knows the final fucking or that, that the breakup is not the final communication. Okay, so someone generally doesn't take no for an answer. That doesn't make them a creep. That makes them human. And secondly, like what he does. Yeah, it's a little much. It's a little dramatic, <laughs> but it is also kind of what the moment calls for, because he he has to appeal to her on a level like different than just. Mm-hmm. I mean, a letter makes sense, but just a different level because he's dealing with, you know, a guy who at that moment is kind of an emotional terrorist. Like he's kind of an emotion, like John Loney's kind of an emotional terrorist at that moment who's winning. And, he, you know, I, so it's a long way of saying like, yeah, I don't know. Like it doesn't look that great in 2022, but like it's sure. not, it's, it's not the like open and shut. Like he's a creep moment that I think some people sell it as these days. Yeah. I, I've I, never really bought that narrative, quite frankly, but I, I understand. I mean, it is what it is, but what were you going to say, Chandler? Oh, I mean, I guess I, there, yeah, there's a reading of this film where you think, you know, Diane Cord is being equally emotionally terrorized by both Lloyd and her father. And she's kind of this like chess piece sure. that they're sure. sort of both trying to overtake. And, um, she doesn't know how to really stand up to either of them. So she's mm-hmm. kind of this bargaining chip. And I guess that's why she kind of flip-flops so badly. And her her dad really, I think she breaks up with him because she just knows that her dad needs her right now. She has to kind yeah. of, she's so used to yes. Yes. giving herself over to her dad and doing everything for her father that um, she's trying to be there for, for him in this extreme moment of, of weakness and stuff for him. Um, so when he says she's a distraction, it's more like, Lloyd's a distraction from her relationship with her father. Yeah. Well, it's it's like earlier in the film, there's a moment when there's a couple of things. First of all, she's scared to get on a plane. So she's she does seem to be kind of punting. Maybe I shouldn't go. Maybe I shouldn't go. And she's like, maybe I shouldn't go because of all the stuff you're going through. And he's like, forget that you're going. Yeah. So I think that she sees an in-between as I'm going to remove Lloyd from the equation so that mm-hmm. I can give my father more of my bandwidth, if you will. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think there's something to that. I, when she does get back with Lloyd, Lloyd has a great line. Such where he a says, great scene where she comes back after he's and been he gets kicked, oh, in, the, so and he's kicked in the face. Um, and he says, are you here because you need someone or you need me? Forget it. I don't care. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. It's Which is, I mean, amazing. And then, of course, she says, like, I want you. I need you. But But yeah. that, to me, is so, like, that's Lloyd, right? Like just, exactly. like, I, I so desperately want your love and I want mm-hmm. you to want me, but I'm also so desperate for it that I'll take it even if it's not, if it's just. And me. and who hasn't been the Lloyd, you know? That's sure. what I think is like, so great about his character. Yeah. No, totally. I love that moment too. And it's, I, I thought it was, you know, it felt less desperate to me, but more just, more humanistic like yeah just, yeah we like, just it does, like in that moment so yeah like in that mo- for just for her like it doesn't really matter right now if it's yeah. that she wants lloyd or yeah. if she wants yeah. someone because she's here and she chose him and mm-hmm. let's work out let's build off this yeah <laughs> no for sure 
Um, so I want to talk about the very last scene on the airplane, a scene that I think of every single time I'm on an airplane because I too <laughs> am scared of flying. So oh. I think as soon as the the ding happens, uh, everything will be okay. But the ringer had a really interesting quote that I want to read from this article on uh, Say Anything that came out in 2019 for its anniversary. They said, the obvious cinematic reference point is Dustin Hoffman and Catherine Ross on the back of the bus, having made their great escape in Mike Nichols, The Graduate. But unlike that clash of generations, uh, and descent. The last notes here are not anxious or ambivalent, but rather rousing and triumphant. A long shot romance that beats the odds and fled those who would undermine it. A love story that rings as clear and as true as a bell. Um, I mean, it's, it is, I mean, I obviously agree with that thoroughly, but it, it is, I would argue it is a perfect ending. It is the, the fact that the ding allows you to believe that it's all going to be okay and that these two mm-hmm. are going to make it. Um, you can't ask for anything better than that. Like just to, in my opinion, just your two main characters looking just slightly above the camera, not directly into the lens, but just you feel these two wanting so desperately for this to work and then being told that it is going to work. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's, it is both an open-ended, you know, ending like, you know, like, like the, uh, feels like almost all high school relationships have an expiry date that kind of mm-hmm. eventually happens, you know, after graduation and yeah. of all the, but in some weird way, like the romance is so well articulated. You feel like if they can survive um, Diane Court's father, then they are going to make it. <laughs> they can like, make it. Yeah. They can make it all the way. If they survived that, they can survive anything. Um, and you know, like it's, it is such a long shot, but like even the, the characters know that. And I don't know, you just, you just believe in them. You believe in them so much yeah. and it's sort of like Lloyd has to try so hard to win Diane Court's affections yeah. over, you know, and eventually she recognizes his value and like lets him in and him being there for her in that moment is just, and the way that he's, he's talking to her and, and dictating every single noise in the airplane yeah. as it goes off, it's just yeah, since I think yeah, sorry, go ahead. I, th- I think and I think that's an interesting and the replacement the... song, the use sure. of within your reach is such a great ending cue, and <laughs> sure, sure. how the guitars sound like a plane taking off and him hitting just... and is bopping his head to the beat of the oh, drums. Yeah, it's, it's so great. good. Yeah. I think the, the the counterpoint that the that sure. was bring brought up in that quote of the graduates really interesting because you know I love the graduate like everybody else, but uh, sincerity is so much harder. Than irony. <laughs> it's sincerity is it's not even fucking close because when you're sincere, you open yourself up to mockery. It's so easy to mock someone for being uh, sincere. And when you're ironic, you don't fucking care anyway. Uh, you don't even get it. You're stupid. But no one can say you're stupid if you don't, you know, you, no one's going to say you're stupid if you don't get a romance. Uh, the, the, so what I'm trying to say is this is like high elevated art to make something like this work, to make you want this this badly at the end, and to use that as a visual reference, which is what they're doing. They're using that, the graduate thing as a visual reference. It's the same story turned on its head, but the the what if is, uh, what if it was about about two people who actually loved each other? (laughs) Could you imagine that? Yeah. So, you know, we're doing it for the right reasons. This was an idea that came about a little later, just a little later, Mm -hmm. like five, six, like 10, seven, eight years later, the idea of the new sincerity. That's true. Even even plastics is is referred into this movie. Sure. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea that, you know, old school irony is dead and, and, and the, the, the cool new thing is sincerity, but in the eighties, we just weren't this sincere and, and happy endings came out of nowhere, but this is a sincere movie. Yeah. And I think that's why it perseveres. But I think that's I, I agree. the yeah. sort of central, um, you know, ethos of Cameron Crowe's films. And then also why there was so much backlash towards him as he, that sincerity sort of veered and ebbed and flowed. Yes. And um, sometimes like, I think that's what his greatest strength as a filmmaker. And then also maybe his like very uh, hard. Achilles heel or something. Well, it's I think very that, hard. I, I, yeah. I, I do wonder if part of the thing that got away from him a little was he started doing stuff that he thinks we wanted him to do. I think that when a filmmaker stops doing things because they genuinely want to, and instead they, it's like a band that gives you a greatest hits record where it's just like, I'm just going to play the hits for you. I think about Elizabeth town in particular. Mm -hmm. I want to kind of, we're going to talk about his, our, our top five in a second, but I I do think that we're not going to talk about Elizabeth town. So you can talk about it now. Uh, well, I, oh, it's interesting. Uh, we <laughs> are, though. Uh, I, mean, I, 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 I want to say all of this is just Cameron Crowe is like my number one favorite no, I, filmmaker of all time. You know time that I love him, too. The reason I've like done anything creatively in my I life. I went on a podcast and defended Elizabeth <laughs> Town. I literally went okay. on. I, I, cannot, I, I cannot do that. <laughs> and that's why, that's why I am fucking with him. I know. You're right. <laughs> but I, I'll just say this, that I do think that I just rewatched Vanilla Sky about a week ago. Um, and I've really come around on that movie. I think that you, that movie you was, love it now. I, I do. I do quite like it. Love is a strong word, but there's oh, a but lot you, of wait, 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 wait. But, but when you say come around, you went from hating it to like. I don't know that I ever hated it, but I definitely okay. didn't love it. I didn't like it. There were a lot of things I didn't like. Uh, I imagine that similar to a lot of people when it came out, I think that it just rubbed people the wrong way, and everyone was like, "I don't want this from Cameron Crow," and I think that. The boldness and the risk he took in making that, he is, he's kind of crawled back into himself a little bit. And I, if that film had been received better, and I'm not talking monetarily because it was obviously very successful, but if that film had been you know, embraced, I'd love to see what that Cameron Crowe career, a, a bold Cameron Crowe career that goes in different directions and takes risks. And I think that since then, he's like Elizabeth Town is the most reactionary movie <laughs> I've maybe ever seen of a filmmaker who's like, okay, I'm going to go and make the earnest, you know, uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl movie now because that's apparently what you guys want from me. And I think that that's an interesting thing. Yes, Chandler right now is miming the uh, the invisible camera that Kristen Dunst uses in that movie. But but yeah, so this is just a long way of saying that his career is fascinating to me because there's been all these inflection points where you're kind of like, he's had these weird blank checks that he's made interesting choices with, and I don't know that they've all paid off for him. I don't he's- know. In some ways, I really like Aloha. I know that it is <laughs> like... <laughs> Wow. I Kenny, have you seen Aloha? Nope. <laughs> I, told seen, I told you I've seen seven of eight. I have never seen, seen that one. I, here's, I'll just say this okay, one quick thing Aloha, about Aloha. Aloha, first of all, beautifully shot by like Godard cinematographer. Yeah, sure, it's a gorgeous. Fucking incredible <laughs> cinematography. It is beautiful. Um, and has the end some scene earnest, beautiful, ineffable, like, sure, sure. I don't know, like almost like French New Wave moments. I know that the casting yes. of Emma Stone is like abysmal and should never be because she's uh, not Asian. Yes, uh, she's not that. a Vietnamese woman. <laughs> she's not a Vietnamese woman. Correct. 
extremely weird. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's extremely not okay. Or a Hawaiian woman either. <laughs> no, of, of course it's not. Of course, like, like, of course it's not okay. But like, that's that that take that 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 rides side saddle to like, what were you thinking? A hundred percent. Like, hundred percent. What were you thinking? Yeah. That's crazy, it's crazy to me. It's crazy. I I'll say this. My my, I'll ride for one thing about Aloha, which is that, and I said this on Twitter. I met many many months ago. Bradley Cooper is a great, you know, part of the the canon of of, of Cameron Crowe male leads for sure. Cameron Crowe sure. boys. The very last oh scene of the movie <laughs> is entirely silent and really beautiful, and actually makes me cry. Without anything to, like, the rest I'll of the watch movie. The is not movie. Great. You should watch it because the last scene is really beautiful. I don't know that we needed the movie that precedes it necessarily, <laughs> but that last scene almost makes it worthwhile. That being said, there are said, some deep themes that are like in his wheelhouse, like the Rachel McAdams, yeah, you know, yeah. romance is kind of interesting. There's a John you should Krasinski watch it, Kenny. You, you love a you love a fun. messy masterpiece. You love I'm a movie. That takes a swing. There's a fun Bill I, Murray turn. But yeah. isn't Rachel McAdams like kind of the bad person in this movie? Yes, correct. She's I'm not in. Bad, I'm yeah. not into uh, outside of Regina. Uh, outside of Regina, Regina George, George yeah. I'm not into any Rachel McAdams bashing because she's my favorite. Uh, she's. But, a, I, I hear uh, that. I, what about the Family Stone? That's a good movie. Yeah, everything she's in, she's <laughs> the best. Um, so let's let's rate this, wait, and then I want to ask one more question okay. yep. to, to Cameron yes. Crowe's greatest fan. Okay, where Which does one? he go from you? <laughs> it's you where does he go? Where does he go from here? Good yeah. question. I don't know because I think he made Roadies, right? Which was sort of yeah. A, but do you know how long ago that was? Oh, too long ago. Six yeah. years ago, and it was not yeah. well received. And it is no. very boring. I tried to watch it. It's and really it's boring. boring. But I love you, Cameron Crowe. If you're listening to this, thank you for everything. Um, yes. <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, go ahead. And now Sorry, there's an it. almost famous musical, so he's sort of like yeah. regenerating yeah. his pastiche. I don't know if he'll get another chance, to be honest, because in some ways, it's not like, I don't know, it'd be really cool if he did like sort of a Paul Schrader, like first reformed kind of like comeback, where he like interesting. made a small scale like A24 movie and something really character driven and just kind of like almost did like a character piece with like a really renowned, interesting actor that he could kind of hone in on like his really impressive um, flair for just like understanding character and dramatic structure and stuff. I can I, Go ahead, can I answer yeah. the question? Too? Yeah, 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 please. Sorry. Of course. Um, I think I agree with everything that Chandler's saying. Um, I, the, the only thing that I would disagree with is I think the camera crows, He's always going to get a chance. I, I, All right, that's I what I was going to say. He's he's oh, yeah. too successful to 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 not not be given another shot. But he's writing what, like Harry Styles profiles for Rolling Stone. Well, yeah, like that I that I can't speak. Gone, to. But I but I think back. there's a book um, called uh, One Last Thing Before I Go that Jonathan Tropper wrote um, that is. Uh, the most perfect Cameron Crowe thing he could do. Mm-hmm. There's definitely uh, books or IP or things out there that would give him the cover to be able to get another big thing greenlit um, and get big stars and and have have another you know um, uh, another at bat. Um, the question, but, but is, the thing yeah. is, like, I don't know if we like we bought a zoo. Or, like, I think. It would Which be was better successful, he... and I don't hate We Bought a Zoo, but I, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. I, I, my, my point is more, is Cameron Crowe 
to your point, going to stand up and take a real swing? Is he going to be like, I want to be relevant again and I want to figure out a way to hit the zeitgeist? Or is he going to dig in his heels and be like, I know what I'm doing. And if (laughs) if it's that, then I don't necessarily know that there's a tremendous amount of success in it. But I'm curious. The guy who has done this against all odds, very similar to uh, Cameron Crowe, is M. Light Shyamalan. Yes. Who, who, you know, had three massive hits and then had some embarrassing failures. And tried a few different things, tried Last Airbender and tried to do the IP thing, you know, and mm. tried to do a family movie and did a Will Smith movie. And nothing really worked until he stripped it all the fucking totally. way down and pretended like he had no money. And then he built himself back up film by film by film until now he's just doing his old shit again. Uh, no <laughs> pun. Um, and I wonder yeah. if that's... More than anything, because I think this is kind of what you're talking about, Chandler, with a first reform, though, I would say Paul Schrader never left. He just, right. you know, he just hit one of these movies. You know, he was mm-hmm. he would made he made that movie with Lindsay Lohan, like uh The Canyon. Oh, yeah, the Canyon. Yeah, the Canyon. Yeah. Like he he yeah. never stopped trying. That's but true. um, but Cameron Crowe, to me. Yeah. Just needs to make a movie for five million dollars and see what happens. Yeah, I think and, he's got to yeah. strip it away. Like, I, I guess maybe I think someone like Mike Mills is kind of his in the Yes, editor. that's mm-hmm. a really like, good call. Come on, yes. come on, feels kind of yes. like a new age yeah. Cameron Crowe movie. Totally, totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I also think that he's gone through so many things, like his divorce with Nancy Wilson and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. he should also write like a biography. You know, I think that you made a really good point, Kenny, about, you know, one of the things that I would argue Cameron Crowe never had to do (laughs) is he never had skin in the game in the way that M. Night did, right? Right. Or like Francis Ford Coppola, where he like refinanced his house. Right, right. He needs needs to do that to your point. He needs to feel the fear a little bit. John Singleton did that exact thing when he felt like he had lost the fucking plot and he mortgaged his house to do Rosewood, right? Yep, yep. So, uh, yes, you're totally right. And you want to know what? Cameron Crowe's at that point. He is probably a 50, early 50-something-year-old man. Uh, He, if he wants to keep going, yes, put up your own money and fucking write something that you can shoot like licorice pizza and don't let PTA make your movies. Come on, dude. That is your movie. I do. The only other thing that I would well, say isn't that he, that he could do Almost famous his licorice yeah. pizza. I know I'm joking. 100%. He didn't have to make a licorice <laughs> pizza, but, but it's funny that you, you basically have a movie where PTA is doing almost you know, a Cameron, a PTA version of a Cameron Crowe movie. Yes. Um, and I don't want to see a Cameron Crowe version of a PTA movie. I want to see Cameron, I want to see Cameron Crowe take five to ten million dollars and yeah. you do what M. Night did with the the grandma movie, you know? Yeah, the visit. Yeah, the visit. I, I I do wonder the of other those... thing that Cameron Crowe could conceivably do that could be interesting is a biopic of some sort. Um, oh yeah, obviously he's a guy. He should make who, the Jerry Garcia movie that um, well that, that Martin Scorsese is making with yeah. uh, Jonah Hill. <laughs> But I, I do think that that could, that could be the thing that he does where like Surprise he, he zones did. in and decides to do like, you know, a Miles Davis movie or, or whatever it is like, or the, the Allman Brothers movie or, or 
pick someone from his plethora of people that he interviewed or whatever and decide to like go down that road. I don't know if that's something he does. He's done a bio. He's already done a, a documentary on Pearl Jam. Oh so yeah. Like, I forgot about all of his, his documentaries that he's done. Yeah. But um, let's rate this and then let's talk about our favorite camera Chrome movies. Uh, in 89, as I said, I saw it around 89. I liked it. I wouldn't say that it was my favorite film from the jump. Uh, I probably would have given it like a 75 or an 80 at the time. Wow. Um, I loved it in the subsequent viewings <laughs> over the years. Um, coming into this podcast, I had it at a 93. And after this podcast, I'm at like a 95. I mean, like there's I've, I've very few flaws in this film now. Um, I think that I saw it too young to really get it. And then I, it obviously grew on me uh, in the years that followed. But what about you, Kenny? Uh well, I was going to give it a 97 before the podcast. And you can't go up much from 97. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a 97. I mean, you know, something's got to be a 97, right? Sure. It's the best. It's fucking yeah. amazing. I mean, it's not it's major great. league, but it's an incredible film. <laughs> so, uh, it's I not love major it. league. But what, uh, but what, what about is? you, Chandler? I mean, I think I'm at a hundred. I mean, it, I feel like I imprinted on it psychologically, romantically. Yeah, sure, it was sure. like the entire benchmark of like how I've viewed romantic relationships for better and def- most definitely for worse. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's interesting because I've always actually felt like the Lloyd Dobler, never the Diane Court. So for me, I've I've actually like, I don't know. I think I actually see myself more in Lloyd than I ever have as Diane and Diane has always felt foreign to me. I've always been like, and I think that's how I've viewed relationships. Like I always feel like the Lloyd. Um, And I don't know. It's just like, yeah, this movie, I think the sincerity of it and the human drama of it and it's adultness is what's so compelling to me about it. It's just a perfect film. It's also it's not just, even just a perfect teen movie or perfect rom-com, which are like two genres or coming age movies that are all maligned genres. It's just like a very excellent screenplay and film. It's hard to do earnest. It's so <laughs> hard to do, uh, as I'm sure we all know. Um, it's just it's so hard. And when you do it well, it's just it's 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 brilliant. Um, so I'm, I'll start. Uh, my number five uh, is Elizabethtown. Uh, you can just listen to my my uh, my episode of uh, this had Oscar buzz to hear me defend it uh, valiantly, even if I probably fail. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I I just there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work, a litany of things that don't work. But there's a lot of things that I actually really love, and and I'm I'm a sucker for uh, for Kirsten Dunst in that movie. Um, so take that for what it's worth. What's your number five, Kenny? Vanilla Sky, okay. which I like, which I don't love. <laughs> Which I've wanted to love for a long time, which, sure. you know, but it's not as bad as it could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is very clearly out of his wheelhouse. It feels like it's a wheelhouse he wants to play in, but it's kind of a waste of everyone's time. That being said, like, I think about the movie all the time. Like, yeah. it really has become, you know, a bit of a touchstone for me. And uh, there's some good shit in there. It's a good movie. Yeah. But no, we will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see each other in another life when we're both cats. Yes, yeah, we're both cats. <laughs> Uh, Chandler, what's your five? Aloha. <laughs> you know, something had, something had to be five. 
Cameron Crowe really hasn't made that many movies, considering. I know, that's the he thing. He only made eight. We, I know. He only made eight. So it's, as I said to Kenny, when we texted back and forth about whether we should do the top five, I was like, it's worth it for the rankings, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. It's less about what the movies are. I imagine that our top we're not, three are probably, We're not including Fast Time, right? No. <laughs> if I did include Fast Times, okay. it would not be number five. Interesting. He would be higher than his good four movies, without a question. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, my number four. I is don't Nova like Sky. singles. I actually hate singles. Oh, that might make oh, wow. that might not make the good. list. Okay, that's interesting. interesting. I Vanilla Sky's my number four. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Not going to make either of your list, I guess. Um, mm, mm, huh? I don't know. Are you missing something, Phil? I might be. I don't think so, uh, but um, maybe. If, if uh, singles is on your list, then you are missing one of the three actual masterpieces. So what's happening? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I am uh, Chandler. What? We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Um, I uh, I think that Vanilla Sky is a really interesting movie that I mentioned earlier. I've watched relatively recently. Kenny also alluded to the fact that we are going to cover uh, Obrelas Oros. Uh, oh, came out in nine, came I out wrote in a, a terrible so, you know. paper on comparing Vanilla Sky to Obrelas Oros. Well, then you should come on for that episode. That sci-fi, would make the most sense. Um, <laughs> class I took in university and they gave me like a C deservedly so <laughs> uh, you should come yeah. on and tell us all about the two films but yeah. I my, my point more than anything is I agree it's outside his wheelhouse uh, that's kind of why I like it uh, Kenny and I have talked about messy masterpieces before movies where mm-hmm. directors try things that don't really work obviously we're both big fans of black blank check uh, I think Vanilla Sky is a blank check movie um, and I think a lot of it is a mess but a lot of it is really interesting and that's my number yeah, four what's it's, your it's four? pretty good it's pretty good yeah. uh, uh, Singles is my four okay Ooh. Singles is a good movie uh, Singles <laughs> is a fine movie Singles is uh all right. Well, I'll tell you what I really like about Singles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only movie that I can remember ever presenting grunge music as the culture and not a subculture. Yeah, which it sure. was. That's interesting. It okay. was. It was. It was culture at beyond Seattle. Just happens to take place in Seattle. But mm-hmm. but yuppie nerds like Campbell Scott used to go to <laughs> those type of shows, just like people now go to fucking you know Kanye shows. Um, because it was the culture and that's yep. just an interesting moment in time. And I love that about it. I think there's so many things about that movie that's just like dumb and so many things <laughs> that are regressive. And I don't think like, I don't think it's like a great romance and I think it paints women no. in a weird, weird light. And, uh, but I think that like the, the vibe of that movie mm-hmm. is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a travesty that more movies didn't, didn't highlight grunge as as something beyond you know kind of like angry teen music because it that's right. really not right. what it was so totally what's your what's your four chandler um yeah well i don't like singles because i find the characters really hateful like i find that it's a really a romantic movie and the sort of vying for relationships and you're right the kind of like bland waspiness of like those mm-hmm. two leads it's like can't sink my teeth into that. I mean, I agree with what you're saying about its love of grunge culture and the music and the soundtrack and sort of how the way that he's his meaningful connection to those those bands and his relationship with Pearl Jam and stuff. Um, but I don't think it's like a, a romance the way that like his other films are. 
Mine's also Vanilla Sky. I think that yeah. the like Rolling Stoneification of the way that he's playing with like pop culture and media of the time and the opening with the emptied out Times Square set to the Radiohead song and Tom Cruise's so performance. Mm-hmm. And like the way that he recontextualizes like the Bob Dylan covers and, you know, Penelope Cruz as Audrey Hepburn. It's like... So Audrey Hepburn, it's crazy. It's really, movie. really cool. Like the yeah. way that he's playing with pop culture. And yeah, it doesn't all work, but I also love like um, ambitious failures. And same, same. <laughs> yeah, I think too. that... I'd rather see a Cameron Crowe taking a lot of risks than like a complacent Cameron Crowe, you know, playing into his uh, wheelhouse and playing it safe. I totally agree. And, I, and one other thing that I want to say about the the about Vanilla Sky is, you know, it's the last time that Tom Cruise and some might argue this was unsuccessful in this film, but in Vanilla Sky, but like Tom Cruise as fuckboy, Tom Cruise <laughs> as like you know, sexy romantic lead that you might actually buy in the, it, oh, yeah. it's, it's that's the last gasp because everything after that yeah. is sort of like, he's just, he, he can never get it back. And Cameron Diaz is performance is I think one of the yes. most brave and it's terrifying yeah. and like committed yeah, things I've ever seen her do. Yeah, like that accident. There's a lot of good shit in that movie. Yeah. There's a lot of good shit. Like the, shit the, 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 the the car off the bridge yeah. in Central Park. It's that's scaring. Good. That's good shit. Like there, yeah. there, there is. That's that's part of why this movie bothers me is because the good shit is really good and mm. the bad shit is yeah. really mailed in. Like the end the end is really mailed in. The stuff oh, with yeah. Kurt Russell's a little Kurt Russell. Oh, the Kurt Russell little, stuff doesn't work at all. It's, it's like when, when they're kind of but, like in yeah. that rooftop that kind of looks like the rooftop from the room. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you think someone's going to throw a football? You never know. It's it's definitely because it's interesting because Cameron Crowe is not one to use special effects. Um, so this movie attempts yeah, yeah. to do movie. that, yeah. and it and you're just like this isn't your. So my number three singles. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend it very briefly and just say that. Um, um, it's the only Cameron Crowe film I think that actually could be a television show. Um, it's it's the one oh, sure, that fe- sure. it it has that Melrose Placey kind of vibe <laughs> to it that I think really works to its benefit. I agree a hundred percent with you, Chandler. That like the characters are not nearly deep enough. Um, yeah, it's him blends. trying to do the twenty something experience, and I don't know that he actually really taps into it particularly well. Yeah, it's but, like this complaints yeah. about dating that just feel like how people talk about like Hinge these days. Yeah, like, it's just- weird. It's a weird movie that doesn't totally work, but the stuff that does work, I do quite like. Um, and I, I like the uh, the day the video dating stuff a lot. Another <laughs> thing, Tim Burton cameo. That, another thing that people yeah. pretend like that wasn't yeah. a thing. That was a yes. thing. Yes. Um, it's turn- also a very white movie. Uh, uh, it's yeah. very it's like a painfully white, white well, movie. Well, you know, uh, like but- I don't know. I think. Uh, I think I think tokenism is is kind of worse than than not. I don't. And I I'm think, not suggesting. I, 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 I think I, actually I, Campbell Scott's character is half Vietnamese. So <laughs> I think it's just a quarter, but he's a Vietnamese a name. I just uh, I think it's I think it's a failing to some degree of Cameron Crowe's that he doesn't dig a little bit deeper in terms of just subcultures and and just cultures yeah. in general. But that's you're you're, you're you're forgetting Xavier McDaniel. But uh, I am I am. <laughs> uh, what's your three, Kenny? The movie that I guess you don't have on your list, almost famous. Oh, you know he's saving that list. for number one. Yeah. Wait a second, what's happening? You have three more left, right? Two. Sorry, you have two more left, right? Two more left. 
Yeah. Are you missing Jerry Maguire? No. That doesn't make any sense. Are you missing Say Anything? Say Anything's not on your list. Oh my God. I completely forgot Say Anything. What? That was my, that's my mistake. I completely forgot. I knew well, it. It made me, okay. the whole list made no sense. You're no, going to put singles right. on your list? You're going to put I completely Elizabeth forgot down? about Say Anything, guys. I, no, no, no. I was no, just no, saying, no, it was my brain. Now you, you, you now do I your understand. number three, Kenny. My number, things are going to change. <laughs> Continue. Things are going to oh change. I just figured I couldn't figure it out. I'm bumping Elizabeth Town. Yeah. So All that right. is not it's it's vanilla sky wow. singles at four. My three would be say anything. Two would be singles. Oh, singles two would be four. Jerry Maguire. Three and one. All right, is, well, okay. all right. So I'll give you my top three because you just gave me yours. Well, what, my <laughs> top three. Yeah, we'll is, talk about my this. top three is is everyone in the world's top three. Yeah. Uh, in some order, mine is sure. almost same as Jerry Maguire. Say anything. Um, yep. Three perfect movies. Yep. Yeah. Uh, probably only ranked that way because that's the uh, uh, order I saw them, and therefore I have more love saved up for saved anything than sure. Jeremy Gar. Sure. I also think saved. I also think say anything is the best movie of the three. I think Jerry Maguire mm-hmm. is the second best movie of the three, and you know, and I think I think almost famous. Is, I think say anything is the best movie. Jerry Maguire is the most fun experience, and uh. Almost Famous is number two on both of those lists. So they're three incredible films. I love them all. Yep. 99s all around. But um, <laughs> but uh, that's my order. What's, what is your top three, Chandler? And then we can just kind of talk oh, about yeah. the movies. Uh, okay, number one, Almost Famous. Greatest mm-hmm. movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> See, this I'm is sure. why Chandler and I get along so well. I'm saying that facetiously, but I actually mean that like as a no, I know like, in your heart the way that yeah. my my bones are made of calcium deposits. <laughs> okay, um, your number two. Uh, say anything. And then Jerry Maguire at number three. And then Jerry Maguire at number three. Yeah, but my, like my number one like is is, Kenny, is almost famous. Then Jerry Maguire. Then say anything. But yeah, I what were you saying? Sorry, Chandler. Oh, like Kenny, they're they're just a trifecta. Of yeah, perfect, perfect, entertaining heartwarming, you know, surprising, endlessly satisfying films to watch. All incredible films. It's just, yeah, I, I mean, guess, like, I guess yeah. the reason Almost fa- almost Famous is three for me, if I really break it down, yeah, is because it, I watched it when I was already kind of a nerd. And <laughs> like, a, like a film, like, like a film nerd. Sure. And it just, it, there were, so, so any, like, any, any, ability to watch a movie without also analyzing it in the moment kind of left my body around 99 into 2000, right? So everything post 2000 has to almost had to hit me on a different kind of uh, metatextual level. And that's my fault. But, uh, but that's the only reason I can think of, because I think it's amazing. I love almost famous. Yeah, I mean, Almost Famous is is one of those movies that it's just it is a bomb. Whenever I'm feeling down, or whenever I just, I, I just it just makes me feel good. Um, it it just it it's like it's so familial. It's just yeah. it feels like you're just like you're part of a, a part of a community. You're part mm-hmm. of a, you just feel so welcomed into this rock and roll family. Uh, it's just it's, it's it's perfect. I don't. I mean, Jerry Maguire is another film that that. Uh, just works on so many levels that it that it's it's crazy to me. The end of that movie makes me cry every time. 
Rod on whatever the name of that television show is when he finds out that oh. he got the money and he and he tells Jerry that it, he's his ambassador or quant. Like it's just like stuff like that. We're just like yeah, you put that on fire. Like how could you possibly execute this? You know, <laughs> way that it's it, even you're not going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Your your brother was injured in a freak bass fishing accident. <laughs> like stuff that just, like, this just shouldn't fucking work. The human head weighs nine pounds. Yeah, it's just it's just. <laughs> I, and and I do think that that's that's Cameron Crowe's superpower to come full circle on this thing is just the superpower of understanding that he knows how to execute dialogue that other mm. people just couldn't do, and you know yeah. you just got to you, you throw your hands up and just say like yeah that's why he's one of the masters. Well, I think it does come from being a journalist, right? Because sure, sure. I think listening, you to know. People. Yeah, listening to people, transcribing conversations, you know, carving out a four-hour conversation you had with someone to like the perfect quote that distills exactly what they're going Mm -hmm. through and what's happening in their life. I mean, those are like fine-honed skills. Um, And being a little super genius who graduates at 15, which is (laughs) what he was. He also is like this little super genius who likes our nerd shit. And I wish, I just, I do... I do wish there were more that brand of nerds, the music, film, you know, TV, pop culture nerds that we used to get as opposed to everybody being a fucking Marvel nerd. But um, at least we got it. I agree with you. At least we got got No Way Home out of it. So it could have been worse. (laughs) The the most recent Spider-Man movie. Because Chandler looks completely confused as to what just just transpired. I literally Uh, uh, yeah, I just you know listen. He's he's one of my favorite filmmakers. Uh, his films are endlessly watchable to me. I hope that he finds his fastball again. I think we all do. Um, and but more than anything, Chandler, thank yes. you so much for coming on and thank talking you, Chandler. Oh, my God. feelings are even Stay more anything. warm. Oh, more I mean, I feel like more warmth. You I more warmth. Like... You could say anything to me, Chandler. Oh, and <laughs> <laughs> don't don't you get ready? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he has this great book of uh, conversations with Billy Wilder that I encourage any Cameron Crowe completionist to... Or writer in general. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of yeah. like his version of Hitchcock Truffaut, and they talk yes, about his totally. whole filmography, and it's just amazing. It's, it, um, is, it is truly special. Yeah. And I, you know, like, I think it's interesting because you kind of see these like generational parallels and like someone like Cameron Crowe being influenced by someone like Billy Wilder and... I, you know, in some ways, like, Say Anything is this kind of textbook mumblecore film for sort of this new generation of teen movies. You could say a show like Sex Education Mm -hmm. is, like, inherited by it. But I wonder if there is going to be kind of a generation of filmmakers my age. Like, I always feel a bit ersatz when I say that, like, Cameron Crowe is my, like, generational or, like, my most influential filmmaker. Sure. Whereas, like, other people are, like, probably seeing, like, the Dardenne Brothers or something. (laughs) Um, but, it, but it's just like he's so fucking good. He is, and and I I also uh, I second Chandler in if you can find that book, which is out of print now, unfortunately. It's very hard find, to find. If you can find the Cameron Crowe Billy Wilder book, I highly recommend uh, checking it out. And and honestly, I hope that you'll you'll come back and talk about Vanilla Sky and uh, Oros <laughs> yes. or however it is pronounced um, with us uh, because. You're our camera crow expert, so that's, oh, that's what needs to happen. Wow. Well, thank you um, so much for having me on. It was a, it course, was a true delight and an honor. And uh, stay safe. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1989. Baby fish mouth. Baby Apple fish mouth. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.